Okay, we are live here on the John Riley Project. This is episode number 175. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. And today we are just so honored to have as our guest Poway City Council candidate Chris Olps. Chris, returning to the John Riley Project. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's going to be All back. Right. <laughs> you were with us in May of 2019. You had your big announcement when you announced your candidacy publicly on here on the podcast. That was a, that was a great, that was a great honor. So thanks for sharing that with our audience. Definitely. Thank you. You know, it's funny is like we're do- dealing with round numbers. You were like episode number 50 and now you're number 175. So I didn't uh, plan it. <laughs> Funny how that works. So, um, so all good. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm hoping we're going to get a chance to talk about all things Poway, talking about your candidacy. And, you know, we'll be taking questions and comments from our uh, friends and neighbors and supporters on our live stream. We'll be broadcasting on Facebook and on YouTube. And already the uh, viewers are, are, are coming in. So this is great. So we welcome everyone's comments and questions here in chat. You can just respond in the YouTube or Facebook comments. We'll get them. We'll make sure Chris sees those questions so he can answer them. Uh, But we do invite the dialogue with the audience um, so we can make it interactive and fun. And it's just not Chris and I, it's it's getting everybody involved. So um, Chris, just, um, you know, a lot of people are probably still, maybe some people getting to know you. Can you give us just before we get started, kind of like the one minute overview of your candidacy and, and, and why you're running? Yeah, a lot of one-minute speeches, so hopefully yeah. I'll get close to well, that. This is, this is just the beginning, right? Because we're going to go unlimited time here. Oh, yeah. so I just want to have a, lo- a jumping-off point. Yeah, uh, so um, I've lived in Poway, uh, I think, a little over 30 years now, or close to 30 years. Um, and uh, growing up here, it was, you know, the community of choice because I didn't have a choice. I was a kid. Um, so it was, it was nice. I went through, um, you know, Tierra Bonita, Twin Peaks, Poway High School, um, left, joined the Navy. When I got out of the Navy, um, kind of was around a little bit. My parents um, were still here. So I was basically back here a lot, but um, kind of got my own place, got on my feet and then uh, decided to settle um, in Poway with the, uh, with my wife and, you know, settle down, have kids. And, you know, now I've got a nine-year-old and a nine-month-old. <laughs> a little bit of an age gap there. But, um, you know, now my son's going to Garden Road. Um, my daughter is gigantic. I mean, she is really, really big. The doctor is, you know, keeping track of all of that stuff. But she's in the 99th percentile for her size. So she's nine months old wearing, like, year-and-a-half-old clothes. It's, like, all right. huge. So um, she's already trying to walk and, you know, very vocal. There's, you know, seeing the differences between the, my son when he was, you know, growing up and, you know, toddler phase and her, it's, it's night and day difference, but so similar all the same, you know, it's, right. uh, it's very interesting. So, but yeah, we settled here. Um, and then about five, six years ago. Yeah. Well, six years ago now, um, I ran for the first time, 2014. I ran again in 2016. Um, each time it was, um, there were, there were reasons I was running, um, you know, the first time it was all about figuring out the process, getting in touch with my community, and I was the only candidate that wasn't an incumbent. Next time it was still the same sort of issues, but I had kind of learned more. And then I found nine other people running. So it was, okay, let's start, a, you know, networking with people and learning. Um, and now 
It's the districts. So it's very specific to what is happening in South Poway um, and what the community concerns are here. Um, but I've been hearing community concerns for, you know, going on six years now um, about what we have, what problems there are, um, what people feel from council or the city. Um, and that's, you know, that's why I'm here. I want to make that difference and hopefully, you know, for the better, you know, I don't want to make people worse. I want to make people, you know, Hey, I'm not being heard. Now I'm being heard. Uh, you know, and for some, maybe they're being heard too much and be like, well, maybe we can figure out some balance there because I definitely want people involved, but you know, I, I can understand if they're overwhelmed by it. I mean, when you jump into that pool, it is a deep pool. <laughs> so. Well, one of the things that I really like about your candidacy is that you have small children and yes. actually one of your opponents is the same. And and that's what makes your race so different because so many of the other people running or, you know, they, they're they're largely empty nesters. And you have children that are going through school here, children that will be participating in a lot of the recreational and educational activities in the city. So I think it's great that you as a candidate have small children um, that are going to experience Poway in their own way. And you want to make it a better place for them to live. Right. Absolutely. It's that that vested interest. Um, I mean, I grew up here and had my, you know, childhood, which I I loved. It kind of helped me become how I am and, you know, the values that I have. Obviously, some of that's from the Navy as well. But the community is really one of those unique aspects. You know, everyone talks about how, um, you know, out in the, you know, towards the east, mid country areas where you have these really small towns and you know your neighbor. Well, I, I really feel Poway is that almost perfect balance of the really small town feel and just big enough that you don't have to drive for three hours to a big city. You know, um, Mm -hmm. we're, we're right in that happy medium where, um, you do know your neighbors, you still are involved in the community when something happens down the street or, you know, uh, you see a, somebody, on, you know, somebody falls off their bike. Most likely, you know who they are. You can help them, drive them to their house. If the dog gets out, you drive them to their, you know, right, whatever yeah. it is. And we're, we're that small city, whereas, or small town almost, um, whereas, you know, you go downtown San Diego or some of these other communities and it's, you pick up the dog, you're calling on the phone, you know, probably not finding who it is, have to go drop it at the Humane Society or something like that. So we, we definitely have that feel. And, you know, it's, it's something that is slowly but surely going away. And, you know, um, that's sad in a lot of ways. I want to make sure that Poway at least maintains that or, you know, maybe keeps it for forever. But, you know, a long time, really. I want my kids to have those kinds of experiences. Well, it seems like a lot of people figure um, Poway is like the Goldilocks zone, right? It's (laughs) it's just like, just right, right? But a lot has been changing, you know, especially in District 4, in the district where you're running. I mean, there's construction going up and down Poway Road with, you know, the commons and the outpost and the community center. And they've been, you know, there was the Fairfield project was being discussed. And I got to imagine the development must be one of the most important or largest things you're hearing from voters is is that what you're getting so i'm hearing pretty much everything related to development so um development is a big topic uh you know obviously there's the end product of whatever building um but there's the other part of that with traffic oh sorry gotta take a moment here all right so we have a candidate kissing babies here we go sorry she's going to pick up our son it's the uh First day back to school, you got to, you know, deal with things because they're no longer distance learning. They're doing the the half days sort of thing. Um, So our son is on a PM schedule and that means he starts at 
eleven thirty-five, I want to say, um, and then pickup is two ten. So <laughs> right after this started, what's her name? Oh, what's this is name? Olympia. Olympia. Olympia Rain Olps. Yes. Beautiful. That's your name. Like, That's your name. Is that a giraffe? <laughs> we, we call her Ellie for the most part, but you know, okay. I'm sure she's uh, good at getting in trouble. So we're going to see a lot of uh, Olympia Rain Olps. You know, <laughs> the three name. You know, you know, you're in trouble type of thing. But yeah. she's, a, she's a good kid. She's very interested in what we're doing all the time. But <laughs> yeah, so de- development is is related to everything. So when we talk about development on Power Road specifically, it impacts traffic. Um, it impacts our budgets. It impacts everything right now that people are talking about um, in some fashion. And so it's kind of the the central piece of, you know, how we're going to fix the budget for the city council. It's the piece of why we have traffic problems. It's the piece of whether we're talking about height limits, whether we're talking about overdevelopment, uh, why we need new parks. It, it is that, like, big middle, you know, piece that everything kind of attaches to. So, so, you know, saying I hear about it for the campaign, yes, everything, (laughs) everything relates to that. Um, And it's, uh, it it is the topic, whether or not we want it to be, you know, we talk about the budget and it's like, well, right now this is the plan. um, And there are other things that can be done, but you know, Yeah. Um, But it's, it's, it is what it is. It's, you know, we have to deal with the budget and problems from that. And so some of that is development. We have to deal with the traffic and in some ways that's going to be related to development. Um, So yeah, it is (laughs) the number one and two and three thing on, uh, you know, the issues of, you know, my campaign. So yeah, you, well, you know, it's funny how you bring up the budget and, and development and they, yeah, they are linked because when you joined me last May, May of 2019, you talked a lot about the budget and how expenses were rising at a more aggressive rate than revenues. Yeah. This development that's going in, do you think it's going to make a significant difference in the amount of property tax and sales tax revenue that comes to the city? So it's, it's difficult to say right now because of the extra COVID effect, I guess you could say. Um, mm-hmm. We had plans, the city, not me personally, but the city had plans with certain developments and certain retailers and, you know, a certain amount of commercial um, space. That may or may not happen. Um, as far as the housing element of it, because it's all mixed use going in, yeah. Um that's where things get really interesting. You know, some of these are condos and some of them are apartments. So that sales tax piece is kind of uh, fluctuating around, you know, whichever development you're talking about. Um, because Poway is desirable, I want to believe, yes, those will be filled. <laughs> I want to believe those will be filled um, either way. Um, but I also understand that, you know, where they're priced at, um, except for the affordable housing one next to the Taco Bell, um, that may not work in the current environment where people are, you know, trying to get back into jobs and, you know, recover from COVID or deal with those aspects. So it, it was great before where, you know, housing market's hot and I think it still is, but now it's a little bit of that cautious, you know, is this really the move we want to make? Um, because it's not, you know, it's not a downsizing move. It's not a save money move. This, these units for the most part are, um, 
fairly expensive market rate, you know, and, you know, for a lot of people, what are you getting out of that? You know, a place on Poway Road that's central to Poway? Sure, but is your job in Poway? Um, are you near transit? You know, enough transit because Poway's transit doesn't connect to a whole lot of places easily. You know, weak, are, yeah. Yeah, are you near a park for your kids, uh, for your dog, for whatever you have? Um, and what kind of amenities are you getting out of it? So wh- when the discussion comes up, it's, are you getting what you look for in a community um, out of these new developments? And is that valuable to somebody? Um, I, I want to say yes, but, you know, it, it remains to be seen. It should make an impact as long as we can fill the space. So that's the big push, obviously, is fill the space. So, you know, before it was fill the empty lot. Now it's fill the rooms when they become available. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of extra impacts there that I think we're going to start seeing the, the problems coming up from. Um like Oak Knoll, for example, it's full, it's got parking issues. Um, and so we're going to start seeing those kinds of issues manifest with regard to mixed use because, you know, a really popular mixed use place might have a restaurant that has just continuous traffic and the residents can't find parking or the residents all park. And then there's nowhere for the people for the commercial to park, you know, that, that dual edge sword kind of uh, risk there where, you know, you're, your commercials affected by your real estate and vice versa. Um, and they both could fail together because parking or something simple like that. Um, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And, um, my biggest kind of issue with the development is, um, it was, a almost an all or nothing push. You know, we were talking, we were talking about this a year ago. Um, the outpost has been around being dug for a little while. Um, yeah. but for the most part, we're looking at three developments in the last roughly two years um, with a fourth of, you know, Fairfield's whatever, you know, proposal down the road here, probably pretty soon, I would imagine. Um, the, the, the rate that they are talking about it and uh, putting proposals into the city. Um, I see it as why are we stuffing all of this in almost immediately, you know, within a relatively short period of time when um, many times during the discussions for the power road specific plan, they said, Hey, this is the 10 year, 20 year plan. You know, we're putting it in, in like not even a quarter of that time. We're putting it in, in two or three years and the effects of it, obviously we're talking, you know, 50 plus years before maybe we were looking at demoing in a new development or something like that. Right. So we're, really shortening the time and that's kind of had that extra impact of now we don't know how COVID's going to affect it we don't know um, how it's going to look at the end and those impacts down the road are the ones we can't change you know if everyone hates the outposts uh, which I don't have many problems with I have a few but not many you know, but everyone hates it you can't change that and if that was the the you know kind of the first you know guiding principle of building for these new developments well, now what, you know, now what are we going to do? You know, council's hesitant to change the power road specific plan because they have all of these developments in the works. Um, and my comment to that is, well, you have all of these in the works. And if we have problems with it, that would be the starting point to change. You need to start with the foundation of the power road specific plan. And um, I get the hesitancy while construction's in progress, but, you know, you should have that willingness to say there might be a problem. We don't know everything. Um, and maybe we take some time. We do this as a longer planned process than, you know, uh, what I've interpreted and what I feel is stuff it in in two years while we don't have a representative that was elected district wide, mm. you know, and, and that 
that it isn't a, a hit on my opponent. That's simply what has happened, and we don't have a representative. You know, it, it is a fact of the, the circumstances. Um, and, you know, I really hope that's not the intent of counsel. But at the same time, it is what we have. And, you know, they have the ability to control those kinds of things. They can, you know, talk to developers, say, hey, you know, we're looking for this. And unless the proposal is so outrageously good that we have to do it, they they should be, you know, kind of holding off to kind of get the first one in place and say, that's what we want things to look like or almost like that, but change it a little bit because we got some problems with it, you know, and we don't have any of that in place right now. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's very interesting and a large, long <laughs> topic to talk about. Um, one of the actually on that note, we owned the city owned most of the Poway Commons land and mm-hmm. sold it. Um, I mean, exclusive negotiation agreement. Um, they they sold it. And, you know, to me, that was our one chance where, you know, magic wand of money. We had the ability to change things or put something we want in. Um, that was our chance. You know, that was the city's opportunity to build whatever we would want to build. And I get that comes with a cost. But when you look at what we're losing right now, that would have been one of those perfect opportunities to say, hey, we're losing this, you know, the bowling alley, for example. And we know that developers are looking at profit, not entertainment. So we as a community, we as the city, want to make sure that there is some family-centric entertainment venues, um, whatever that is. We're going to put something there, and then the rest of it can be developed around it. Or we want to make sure we have uh, a park space for all of this new development going in on Poway Road. We want to expand Community Park. Whatever it is, that was the opportunity, and instead it was sold, and now it's uh, the opportunity for, um, I guess that's uh, Sudbury and Meridian. Um, So, you know, (laughs) it's it's a lost chance, you know, now to me that – would have been interesting to see what could what could we do and how would that you know change people's view of it because if you have a city stepping in and taking ownership and saying we said we want to make this a walkable community we want to make this the centerpiece oh well we're going to put our money where our mouth is we're going to actually invest in this um, and then still have the development going on around that um, it would have been it would have been nice to see or at least entertain those ideas um, and well we we didn't so yeah. So. It's, it's it's a really interesting what's going to happen on Poway Road. It's it's going to be a radical transformation. Yes. So, um, it, but, but before I get to my next point, um, again, I want to welcome all the listeners or the viewers. Uh, we j- will invite you to join us in this conversation on live stream that we're live streaming to Facebook and to YouTube. Just type your comments in the que- uh, or questions in the comment box on Facebook or YouTube and we'll get them. And, and um, already we have uh, a comment that's come in, but before I get to, I just want to finish my point. It's going to be a radical transformation on Poway road. Um, and you're right. We don't know how it's going to actually turn out. We, the, you know, the, I think a lot of people are, th- are seeing the worst case scenario of Poway road is going to turn into Mira Mesa. Poway road is going to be, you know, traffic is going to be worse than it ever has been. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, but there's there's another maybe more optimistic version that it could be a more walkable and, and maybe more of the thorough traffic. You know, when people live on the eastern end of Poway Road and if they want to get on the 15, maybe that traffic's going to be diverted up to Scripps Poway Parkway or Twin Peaks. And maybe, you know, it, it'll be slow moving traffic on Poway Road. But that's because it's a more walkable area. So. 
I, I'm very curious to see how it all comes together because it will yes. be a big change. Oh, yes, I, I totally agree. And I think that's that's kind of the the hope is that it's not the worst case scenario. And, you know, somewhere in the middle or maybe best case scenario would be obviously good. Um, but it's, it's that rush to uh, have those, you know, development started almost that kind of uh, I think is the, the point of concern because you can't change it. Well, I mean, they are digging, they're putting rebar in. That's permanent. Yeah. And, you know. Because there was no, yeah, because there was no, like, okay, let's let one happen, then tweak, one happen, then tweak. It's been, let them all happen all at once, and we'll deal with the traffic, we'll deal with all of it, let's go. Um, It's kind of that, well, now what are we going to get? You know, is it the best plans coming forward, or is this being rushed? Um, and, And that's where I think a lot of that concern generates is, you know, rather than a process that's well thought out, uh, planned over a long period and then evaluated, you know, using metrics, we're just, let's go. We don't even have metrics. We don't have uh, the first project isn't even done, but we're building the third or whatever the case may be. In this case, um, the third would be technically, you know, we got Villa de Vida, which isn't on Poway Road, but it's close. Um, we got the outpost and we got the commons on both sides of the road. Um, so the fourth would be Fairfield in the South Poway area. And it's, you know, mm-hmm. that's a lot. And yeah, it, it really, you know, that doesn't count, you know, the, the things on uh, the opposite side of Power Road. So like the Danes community uh, that's going in right there off, uh, I believe it's Dane Street, which is seven homes there. Um, that doesn't count the uh, remodeling. Oh, um, so you know where the uh, United Oil gas station is? Yeah. It's just behind yeah. that. Just behind oh, that. Okay. Yep. Okay. So, I didn't uh, know there were new homes going in there. Okay. Yep, seven, seven new homes. Um, but then there's – so there's that. You have the uh, the remodel for the uh, United Oil turning uh, – adding a car wash. Um, you have uh, the jack-in-the-box becoming El Pollo Loco. So you have other mm-hmm. things happening, you know, tons of really interesting things happening. But we don't have – any of it done it's all happening all at once and it's like well can we finish one thing make sure that we're on the right track here uh before it's all finished and we realize oh this is not what we wanted at all you know it, yeah it, it that's that is a valid concern in my opinion and yeah, one is. of those metrics that we should kind of really consider and uh, uh you know take a look at so well yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes out the other side, right? When yes. it's all done. Um, and is are there, you know, essentially chemistry issues that are going to work really well or really yeah. not well? Uh, but, you know, the horses have left the barn, so I guess we're going to find out. Uh, um, yep. We've got a comment here from J.F. Brewer Jr., and he says, or she says, um, I think it's a he. I think I see the little photo there. So <laughs> Highway Pomerado Road intersection has commercial buildings that are falling apart and complete eyesores. How do we improve these aesthetics like what Poway is doing with the Atlas Shopping Center? South Poway needs some TLC. Yes. So, um, actually, Poway Pomerado intersection, the, um, uh, I don't want to call it the I love kickboxing, but th- that's one of the big ones, and they have a giant sign, so that's what I got in my head right now. Um, yeah. I've gone in that building for a few other things, but it's, you know, you know, like I think it was live scans I did there for, you know, schoolwork and volunteer stuff. But overall, that that was redeveloped uh, after a fire. Um, yeah. And so, you know, re- not redeveloped, renovated would be a better mm-hmm. way of putting it. Um, but yes, I, I definitely understand the, the those giant shopping centers are like the 70s, 80s style shopping centers. Um, 
the problem with those and redevelopment right now is a lot of talk during the Poway Road specific plan was, hey, we want new development to come in. And for new development, we will offer all of these amenities. And it was specifically mentioned, I know I mentioned it a few times, hey, what about a current developer saying, hey, I want to redo this, I want to, you know, demo, or I just want to put a fresh coat of paint on and make it look better. And there, the, the opinion at the time, and maybe that's changed, and I haven't looked specifically at the plan to verify, um, but the opinion and what was said was, no, we don't really want just a fresh coat of paint. We want new. We want to kind of get out with the old, in with the new, um, because the old doesn't fit the community that we have in mind. Um, so the current owners were kind of, you know, shut out from the new Poway um, in a lot of ways. And so I, I get that they might not be able to afford it. They might not want to. Um, there, there's other things on the table that would possibly prevent them. But, you know, the big push was new development gets the bonuses, old developments kind of, yeah, you, you had your chance, I guess, and we're done with you, um, which I don't think is really a good way of going about things. You know, owners of development, when given the same incentives, should be able to or want to uh, improve their property um, and take advantage of what this new Poway Road plan is going to bring to the table, whether that be um, new commercial, new uh, residential, or whatever the case may be. So, um, so yes, while it needs the TLC, you know, the current owners have kind of been restricted in what they can and can't do, um, at least from the original plans. Um, and I haven't heard of any of them really coming to say, hey, I want to do this with mine, with the exception of the uh, Frizzee Paint Shopping Center. Um, that was where the uh, the old bank, I believe it was a Coldwell Bank, way back in the day, um, they were going to redevelop that. And I think that deal's fallen through because the owner of one, the Caldwell Bank part, and the owner of the shopping center can't agree. Um, so you do have these kinds of issues that come up, and that might be the reason... That might be the reason for the uh, the push to say, hey, we want new development because then you don't have different owners disagreeing. Um, and I can see a lot of problems there with current tenants not you know, selling what they have um, and things like that. So it makes sense. But at the same time, I would like to say that our community is vested in our community. They've been here for a long time. They should have that interest. They've already allowed the, you know, re the restaurants we know, the places we frequent for our shopping. So why would they not have those interests in mind and then extra income on top of it with maybe a partnership or something like that? So it seems like a short-sighted move to say, well, no, we need new. Um, and to me, that was a kind of a red flag and a concern um, based on who has been getting the contracts um, for new development. But in, at the end of the day, you know, something needs to be done. Um, I just think we should, yeah, we should, we should really see where we're at before we say, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that is, that is kind of what we're missing right now. Um, so absolutely. We definitely should look at what needs to be done or what can make it better. But, but are we doing the right thing? You know, let's let the outpost, which I want to say said uh, early next year, 
at this point. Um, and they seem to be going good with uh, their, you know, their building right now. They got rebar in They're I think above street level now. Um, mm-hmm. So let, let's let them finish and say, okay, this is what we really want. Or at least get to the point where we can fully see everything, right? Like, hey, it's, you know, the full three stories and uh, we get to see the height of it. We get to see the, the amenities that they're supposed to be offering. Is that what we want? Is that the final look of Poway Road if we put that everywhere? Um, so, yeah, that's – I think that that pause for, what, five months, six months, hopefully, as long as they don't run into delays, um, would be beneficial um, rather than this kind of very focused push on multiple developments everywhere we have open space or land um, across the board that's, you know, not really had – um, the opportunity to say yes that meets our <laughs> yes that meets our uh, our idea uh, or our vision of Poway Road right because that that is where this fear is the vision is out there supposedly but nobody knows what it is you know we have renderings from artists we have um, thoughts uh, we have comments at council but we don't have something that we can tangibly go see. We don't, I, as far as I know, there's no three dimensional model. We can go, you know, like when you go to a new development, like residential neighborhood and you say, Oh, look, this is what our community will look like. That's a community that I would want to live in because here's the park and here's where I'd live. You know, we don't have that even. And you know, that kind of thing would help to say, this is the plan for Poway road. And and again, you know, we'd be guessing at future developments, but that's the idea to say, Hey, we have this plan. We have this, uh, vision and this is kind of what it looks like we don't, we don't have any of that um, and so when people have something they can get behind and look at cool we can start you know coming together and saying is this what we all agreed on is this the worst case is this the best case where are we at and what do we need to change and then we can really have a conversation right now we're all hypothetical <laughs> but you bring up a good point i mean it would be interesting to see like a scaled model of what yep this Poway road is going to look like in between community and carriage road. Um, because we've got these, you know, architectural drawings and illustrations, but it would be interesting to see it in true three dimensional. Um, maybe we should get our fourth graders (laughs) rather than doing the mission project. They could, they could actually do the Poway road projection. Um, but it's interesting how, like when government gets involved with a lot of the city planning and, and, and making land use decisions, it's funny how yeah, they end up picking winners and losers, right? So yes. certain property owners are winning. Other property owners, like the ones at Pomerado and Poway Road, may be losing. Um, so that's where it gets tough, you know, um, is is handling those cases. Absolutely. And and I think it's it's – Yes, you have the winners and losers, and some of that's outside the control of the government, um, because if you don't come to the table, it's hard to really play the game. Um, But at the same time, there's that perception of favoritism or, uh, you know, that perception of, like, leaning one way or another, like, I like this developer over this developer. Uh, Whether or not it's true, at the end of the day, you know, something gets approved. (laughs) Something gets approved. Sorry There's about mom. The interruption. Hey. <laughs> Hi. So, so uh, you know, something gets approved, and you know, it is what it is. Um, ideally, the best plans are coming forward, but that it, you know, 
to me, there's a lot of concern that that doesn't seem to be happening. We're having these long-term, what is it, two years, I think, for the exclusive negotiation with um, the Poway-owned land before what we have going in there. Um, the outpost, you know, long process there as well. And so it's kind of this this uh, closed door behind, you know, behind the curtain thing. And I don't think that that's necessarily the best way for the community to see that, hey, these are our interests. It's kind of the, what does the city want? And well, that's what the city said. And that's what we're going to do, right? You know, not, hey, the community came together and put this together. And, you know, I get the argument can be made. The community could have been involved with a Poway Road specific plan. But it's been pointed out numerous times. Uh, people live their lives and don't necessarily want to have to check on government or feel like, oh, I need to go to every meeting to know that my government's doing the right thing. Um, so some they, people, well, they were involved. It wasn't there like a committee that existed. Well, there was a committee. There, there yeah. was a committee. The committee did what did the Poway Road specific plan for I want to say it was three years. Uh, it was mm-hmm. just after my first run. They kind of started getting the committee together. But when you say the community, you know, uh, last few council meetings a uh, month ago, a little over that, we've had you know up to fifty people writing in. I mean, I think over the course of the Poway Road specific plan, we might have had fifty people the entire time. I wasn't on it, but it, you know, that's. That's the difference there. You have meetings. When you talk about the, the Poway Center for Performing Arts, you have 30-plus people show up on Zoom, in person, whatever the case is. You talk about Poway Road Specific Plan, a committee where it's not during council meetings. It's kind of off on its own. And you don't have that same engagement, that same level of involvement. Even at the, uh, the council meetings, it's just a couple people, mostly from the committee, um, and then you know me and couple others there so when you say the community really had a chance they did they had a chance but did they know what was going on what was at stake what was being decided um not really until this first building you know the outpost hole started getting dug and then people like whoa hey my community is changing and so yeah yeah so now it's oh my gosh what can we do well it, it is too late <laughs> to right, say yeah. we're going to do something there. But when we say the plan should be um, taking those inputs, I believe that's, you know, that's what we need. People are now aware and maybe they weren't before. That isn't their fault. You shouldn't be faulting the community because they weren't aware. That meant you were doing a good job at one point and they didn't have yeah. to care. Right. So, so take the kudos that they didn't care about it then. They care yeah. now. And they really want to know that you're listening to those concerns. And that's where, as a council, we should say, oh, hey, people are not really, you know, saying everything's peachy and, you know, clouds and rainbows and whatnot. We're really getting some pushback here. Is it valid? Do we need to slow down? Do we need to maybe reevaluate where we're at with the Power Road specific plan? Um you know, those are the kinds of things that we have, we should have council doing. And instead, it's no power road specific plan is staying as is. Developments are good. They're almost all within the standards we set. We get to decide because of amenities for some of these to get the extra benefits. And, you know, to me, it's who wins? Is this the council says we have an amenity or the community that says we have an amenity? Because I can guarantee, other than maybe one or two days for like the first, you know, use of the facility, Council's not going to go into a development and say, hey, look at this wonderful amenity for me. They don't live near the amenities that they're deciding. And so it's the community that needs to make those decisions 
to some level at least, and say, yes, this is something we need, or yes, this is something valuable to us, because we're giving up traffic, so extra stoplights, uh, building height, and the views that we have if you drive down Poway Road. Um, we're giving up significant pieces of what make Poway that city in the country, you know, and, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, you know, do I value the opinion of my community saying, hey, this isn't what I see as an amenity, or do I value the opinion of somebody who's literally never going to go there and use it? Uh, I'm going to say the people, the people know. So um, so that's kind of where things are at. But I, I do see a question I can talk about for sure. Um, well, yeah. So let, let me let me uh, introduce the question, because. Yeah. You know, we're, we're doing a live stream, so we welcome everyone's input. And you know, if you had a question for Chris, type it into your comments on, on the Facebook or the YouTube live stream, and we'll share these with Chris. And this is a great question, and it, it comes from R.C. Stan, and this is a really hot topic for District 4 for South Poway. And he asks, can we protect Matate Meadows? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Chris? So Matate Meadows uh, currently has Prop FF protection um, that allows – for the current development based on its zoning, I believe they can put a church or one home on the those zones, either one. There's two. There's an eight acre and there's a 40-ish acre one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's all that could be put there as is right now. Um, so what, two homes or two really close together churches. Um, the... That protection won't go away unless, you know, Poway gets challenged for Prop FF, which hopefully we win if we defend it and, you know, go through that process. Um, But that does not mean that we won't have developers coming in like Measure P, which I'm sure we'll talk about, um, Mm -hmm. to say, hey, I have a great development plan. I'm going to get this on the ballot and we're going to vote on it. And you guys like my plan. Prop FF goes away, we build, go. You know, um, that happened a few years ago with a plan for, I believe it was like 40 homes on eight acres. Um, and as a community, we said no. We, you know, they went through the petition process and there was a lot of outcry of, hey, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Um, at the time, many people said, hey, there's these soil issues, there's these problems, and the developer just kept saying, no, that's made up stuff. We can do whatever we want. Uh, and now it's it's interesting hearing from other people and candidates and whatnot saying, yo, there are these issues that we really should consider. And it's, to me, a very amusing thing because, you know, over the few years since that first proposal, you know, things that have happened um, when they started digging for the outpost, I said, hey, there's water. Tons of people said, hey, there's water. And there was this, eh, whatever. Then they hit water, and it was like, oh, my gosh, there's so much water you don't understand. And no, we, we said there was an underground lake, like, right there. Yeah. But, you know, the creek is right behind it. Come on, guys. It's this simple stuff. But, you know, it's it's seeing that connection that maybe the community does know what they're talking about when they show up and say, you can't build there. You will get landslides. You will have these issues. Maybe we do know what we're talking about because we know our communities well enough to say this is a problem more than just I don't want development. It's an actual issue. And until you say I can design around it or I have this wonderful way of dealing with it that is unique and fixes all the problems until you say that or bring that to the table, we're just like, um, I don't want that house sliding into my house. Thanks. That's, (laughs) you know, whatever the case may be. And, you know, seeing the community's voice and opinions and input on this finally be acknowledged, though it took a little while and was kind of ignored during that campaign, um, is nice. And hopefully down the road, 
stays. You know, people keep saying, hey, there are these issues. And unless you're addressing them, we should not develop there. Um, you know, that would be great. But overall, I think the Prop FF that already protects it is great. And we need to continue to fight for that. Um, and as the first time through when it was getting proposed, I was against it. I was on the side of, uh, you know, Mariana, Chris Cruz, um, and talking to the community and going against, hey, they are at the store signing, you know, taking petition signatures for whatever paid signatures gatherer, you know, whatever that was. And we said, hey, here's how you can rescind your signature. Here's how you can um, fight against this. Here's what we can do as a community. And really, it didn't get past the petition stage because people were really against it. And there was so much community um, support for keeping it as is. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, yes, we as a community have great power and voice, but we have to keep active and have to stay on top of things like that. You know, yeah, yes, Prop FF exists, but you can't just say, oh, it's got that and we're good because they can make ballots initiatives very uh, interestingly worded. And suddenly your yes means a no or your no means a maybe or whatever. And you, you voted it in when you voted no. And you're like, wait, what? You know, should we right. not not keep the no on? Like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, you have to be concerned about those things and keep an eye on it because those changes can come. They'll just be another item on your ballot. You might not even think it's Poway the way it's worded. Who knows? You know, and then suddenly it's, you know, you vote on a state issue that says, do you want to remove all land protections? You just remove Prop FF, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So whether or not it's Poway, whether it's San Diego County, whether it's state issues, we have to be aware of these and, you know, engage with any efforts to kind of remove those protections that we have um, because it is protected as is um, the only way that we can really solidify the protection that's there would be develop. And I don't mean develop like put 40 homes. I mean, if that one home got built, they'd have to figure out how to subdivide the lot or whatever the case may be. Um, and since I don't want even that one home in, you know, I, I think they'd have issues even putting one home in. Um, it, it's kind of that we have to fight the land use uh, ballot initiatives and uh, measures and challenges down the road. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting how this plays out because on one hand it's private property and you know, you think private property owners should have the ability to build on their own land. But of course there's zoning laws that prevent them from doing that. And, you know, some people think the zoning laws are righteous and that's what keeps the character of our city. And that was kind of the long-term vision of our founding fathers here in Poway um, with prop FF. Um, but on the other hand, sometimes the restriction to development has a lot of um, unintended consequences like, you know, her, you know, kind of being a component of the housing crisis yes. where there's not enough supply. So, but I do want to take a little bit of a tangent on this Mitade Meadows issue and kind of combine it with another issue. So, and I only picked up a little bit of this from the chatter that I saw on Facebook and I may have my facts wrong. So <laughs> the guy that owns the Mitade Meadows land was the one that was hustling to get the, the signatures and yes. that ended up going nowhere. But he lives here in Poway, and was he a rumored uh, person that could potentially be appointed to city council if 
the mayor ends up winning the supervisor race. Is, is do I have that connection right? Can you so, help me clear that up? <laughs> um, a little bit, a little bit here and there. Um, okay. First, what you said though, you said the uh, the land use. One of the interesting things with Matade Meadows, the city should have owned that land. You know, and I guess I need to request all of those documents, or if I get on council, mm-hmm. I can start going over them. But from my understanding, the original owner, the Nature Conservancy, when they got you know rid of the land and it went to this uh, kind of auction, um, which is why we're in the situation we are. It, the ownership should have transitioned to the city and the city kind of dropped the ball. Um, so that would be one of those things where, yes, private ownership, you know, do what you want with your land. But this is one of those we missed the opportunity. We dropped the ball and that really should have been our land to keep and hold and make open yeah. space and add to our you know land use and trails and everything else. Um but what you said, um, the owner is actually, and I'd have to, I don't remember the name of the actual owner. Um, I believe he lives in San Francisco. So that's okay. the owner owner of the land. Uh, the person that you're referring to would be the political consultant driving the signature campaign to have the land rezoned and put the ballot initiative forward. Um, and to answer that question simply, yes, if District 3, I believe, were to become available, or uh, no, District 1, District 1? Yes, Dave Grosh's district. Um, then, yeah, he, he could be one of the appointees that would be considered. Um, but it's it's kind of one of those, you know, rumor mill conspiracy yeah, yeah. things. And, <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of surprisingly odd connections, you know, um, campaign fundraisers for candidates. Um bail out of, hey, let's, you know, once um, Kalen was elected uh, last, uh, in 2018, there was a proposal council initiated from her to say, let's buy this land from them. And it's like, well, why would you offer to buy land that you should have owned in the first place? You know, you should go back and challenge in the courts for the land you have the right to and fix the glitch, if you will. Um, it, it's one of those, instead, we're just going to buy a mountain. Yay. Then everything will be fixed. And it's like, well, now who's really benefiting when you look at who's paying for candidacies, who's paying for campaign fundraisers, who's paying for these things. It becomes a lot more murky and a lot more odd. Um, and then, like you said, with uh, what happens if there's another seat open in an appointment, you know, it's district based. So it'd have to be that district, but that is one of the ones coming up here that, could happen so so yeah absolutely it's a possibility and uh, uh that person is also on our budget review committee currently so <laughs> well, you know like i said those connections get really interesting really quickly yeah so. you know it's like uh, you know the, the what do they say the left bones connected to the right bone or whatever <laughs> you know everything's connected so so let's go let's talk about about this city council appointment situation and i i brought this issue up with kaylin frank when she was a guest on the podcast and you know, in the hypothetical that Steve Voss is successful and and is uh, wins his uh, race for county supervisor, the mayoral uh, position will be an open seat. And uh, according to Kaylin Frank, her her preference is that the mayoral spot would be you know solved with an appointment. Um, and and she said she wasn't interested at all. So tell me what you think the right process should be if Mayor Voss is wins in November and. And what do you actually think will really happen? Because that might be different than what you want, what you want. So so what I actually think will happen would be based on the March election. Um, Voss did not win 
the March election. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that we're, you know, top two, because that's uh, how California works for that kind of race. Um, I don't see him making up the amount of ground that he was behind by, but that is possible, right? You know, anything's possible. Sure. He's been putting in the work. It, it's possible. Um, so based on past precedent, I'd say it's not as likely, but it's still on, in the realm of possibility. Um, so from there, if we go with, it doesn't happen. Okay. We're no, you know, it's that conspiracy of what could be right. Um, but, yeah, exactly. But, but nothing happened. So we're good. Right. Okay, fine. Um, if it does happen, um, I think that the best case, the way forward for Poway is not to do an appointment that, that just point blank, have an election. Now, as part of that council would be probably running for a seat on, you know, the mayor spot, uh, some of them at least. Um, and so that would possibly mean another seat available. Um, it's my opinion that we should just not have an appointment if possible. And I get there's monetary concerns here, but here's an interesting take on that. On June 16th this year, the farms was put on the ballot. It, the city put it on there because, you know, they, they all agreed, and uh, that's one of the ways to get a ballot initiative on there was by council action uh, for a Prop FF vote. Oh, the other way is a petition. So when that happened, staff went to the registrar of voters. They said, hey, we're, uh, we're talking about a citywide initiative. We want to know the cost. They were quoted $97,000 for two district races and Prop FF vote. Both, all three. So if you look at that, that'd be at large mayoral seat and two district seats. Now I get it's a standard election time frame, So there's a lot of negotiated costs that get reduced because um, other cities are having their elections. So you can combine the work. Um, but when you look at that under a hundred thousand dollars for three races, you know, I mean, you could almost go to a factor of 10 before you're hitting a million. Like that's, that's an excessive factor realistically, but we're talking about, two races here, possibly mayor and a uh, council seat. Um, well, Kaylin Frank said it was going to be about 800 grand. If I remember, and that would be that 10 X factor, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so that would be a standalone election, you know, yes, a- as a standalone election. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so when you look at that, is that possible? Does that make sense? I have a feeling that the concern over costs is the kind of boogeyman of this. Um, yeah. there's, there's a lot of those that uh, have come up recently that have been talked about. And it's that the here's the fear. And because that fear exists, we're not even going to look at that because it could happen and then it could be more expensive. Oh, well, all right. Wait, you make the boogeyman worse, right? <laughs> How will we get a true cost? And, and the real problem here is they've done appointments for every whole vacancy over the last you know, six plus years Um, going back even further than that. And they haven't had a special election other than I think going back to the Betty Rexford recall, they haven't had a special election. So when you look at that, of course we have no idea what the costs are. And when you consider the limited time window that you have to decide these things, they don't even want to ask the question during that window. They have 60 days to, you know, go through this process and appoint if they're going to do an appointment they don't even take the full 60 days. They appoint in less than a month in most cases and it, you know, special meetings for it to make sure that they uh, meet the deadline. But you have that time window because you could request those costs and 
determine if that's the best way forward. And having an election actually extends those windows a little bit to say that you have now the election has to be held on this day by this. But you have to make the decision to appoint or hold the special election within those 60 days. You make the decision if you're going to appoint, then I think it's almost the same time window. Um, If you're going to have the special election, it extends the window. And rather than go through a slow, calculated, well-thought-out process, uh, it it seems rushed every time. We're going to appoint, done, moving on. And I don't think that's the right answer. You know, I I fought against appointments going back to 2014 when Voss won his uh, mayoral seat against Don Higginson. He vacated his council seat. I was the only other candidate. I received 3,000 some odd votes, which is more than some candidates that have won elections in the past. And they said, well, you lost. So we don't even consider you a candidate. We're going to look at these other you know, it was 24 candidates at the time that put in for the appointment. And that's when Barry Leonard was appointed for two years. Right. So, you know, I mean, I get that kind of mindset. Oh, you lost. So why would we appoint you? But at the same time, Anybody that runs a candidacy for council comes to a certain understanding that you're very vested. And Mr. Leonard found out very, very uh, the hard way, you know, through experience. If running a campaign versus being appointed to a seat is a night and day difference. It's almost, I would say, more work for a campaign than it is day to day on council. I mean, if, if it was this much work every day for council, they wouldn't be saying, oh, it's 10 to 20 hours or 30 hours a week. It'd be, you know, for a campaign, it's literally, I get a text message every few minutes. I get Facebook messages, posts on top of doing, you know, all of the normal flyers and meeting people. And it's a very involved process. You know, I'm asked my wife, she's, (laughs) she's the other half of that answering on pages. I'm not on, you know, to say, Hey, you know, here's what this is, or, Hey, reach out to here. So it's a very involved process, but when you're on council, it's, what are the current issues and when are they next coming up to talk about? It isn't uh, what everything's on the table. It's look, we're only dealing with this right now. I understand your concern. I'll note it when we start talking about that. I'll put it to staff. We'll deal with this in a, the right manner or get the right people on it. But when you're a candidate, it's like you you have to have the answer for everything. You need to know all the details for everything. Um, and, and it's a lot different than council where you're like, well, look, there's four other people here next to me. Um, together, we're going to come to a decision and your input is a, a big part of that, hopefully. Um, but my answer on council and my answer as a candidate, you know, they should match. The difference is what happens as a candidate. It's that the best case scenario is what's going to happen. That's always the perception, right? So I say, you know, we're never going to have another development on Poway Road. That's not possible. (laughs) So, but if I were to say that, people would be like, oh, yeah, that's wonderful. We'll never develop Poway Road ever again. Cool. Well, (laughs) what about in 10 years if I'm not on council? They'll develop Poway Road. Even if I'm on council, there are four votes and then poof, development happens, right? So it's that thought that you have all the answers and your vision is the, the best case scenario, whether or not it is. Versus when you're on council, it's, okay, look, council has to make these votes. These votes are what bind us. These are the city's decision. So at the end of the day, your voting record is what really reflects. And you say, look, at least I can stand on my voting record. I voted that down, but they didn't. So we have another development. Sorry. (laughs) So, you know, it's that big difference. And I think that distinction um, as individuals in the city or running for an appointment, if you've never run a campaign, you don't really get that level of involvement or that detail or that, you know, that work 
involvement and uh, you know skin in the game. And uh, it was it was funny to watch in 2016 when he had gone through the last two years to say, "Hey, we got a sign ordinance we put in place. We got all these wonderful things." And he's like, "Well, that sign ordinance sucks." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny, funny story about that. You know, you put it in and you don't even know what you put in and how it's going to impact you. I did, but, you know, I ran before. So, you know, walking neighborhoods. Yeah, it's not just walking to the council meeting and arguing your case. You're walking miles and miles to hang door hangers, talk to people. It's it's so different. And so to me, a person that runs a campaign is a more vetted person than just somebody showing up because there's a seat open. Um and at the end of the day, I think that that extra vetting from community involvement, from what the community has said, asked, forums, gives a better perspective than just a council meeting or two to say, oh, you gave a two-minute speech. I agree. You're, you're on council done, right? Um, so if ever there is an appointment, I would be looking at people that have run before or just ran before I'd consider the random, hey, I've got a great resume on paper and I just moved here or whatever the case may be. <laughs> um, you know, th- that's my perspective. But I don't like appointments. I think that they are disingenuous. They remove the constitutional, you know, representation we have to say, yeah. you vote for your representative. And the argument they make to say, well, you voted for us, so we're going to vote for them is completely disingenuous. A 4 1 vote is dynamically different than a 5-0 vote because it shows that the community had a say or that person at least had a say to say, this isn't necessarily a unanimous decision. I agree with community members that we don't want this or we should change or we should look at something else. And at the end of the day, when you start adding those up over the last six years, we've had how many 5-0 votes? You know, I'd say 90 to 95%. Right. And four one votes a couple here and there, but you know, not very many. And then, you know, three two votes, like I think we're at three now in the last six years. So yeah. it's not a you know, the the position on council doesn't seem to have much, you know, unique thought to say I want something different. It's almost always unanimous. And so when you say, Oh, well, we'll let the people that decide unanimously represent us to decide unanimously for the person that will help us decide unanimously. Of course, it's going to be somebody that votes the same way because that's what they want. They want to continue that trend. It makes sense. It makes their job easier. Um, Whereas if you have somebody who says, maybe we think about things differently, maybe we um, look at this from a different perspective. Maybe you take some background from, you know, different life perspectives. And to be honest, Kaylin brings some of that to the table. She definitely has a lot of um, those to bring. But You know, a lot of younger people, like you said, younger people with kids involved in the community have that. It's because we are now going to be the ones that are the future of Poway one way or the other, whether we're all of the residents, because, you know, one day that just cycle happens as the generations change or because we also have, you know, a spot on council or, you know, whatever the case may be at some point. The future is your younger generations, and then they get older, and then it cycles through. So getting that perspective earlier rather than, hey, you left us with uh, Poway Road that is like, you know, 10 stories and no tra- you know, no parking and 17 stoplights. Eh, we don't really like this, but we can't do anything for another few years. This isn't great. You know, so it, it's – I think appointments are our last resort. Um if we have to do an appointment, in other words, if I'm like fighting against it and it's going to be a 4-1 vote anyway, my real big push is 
candidates that have run before so the the community has had a say in who they are and knows about them and they're not just literally a new person every time they've had an appointment it's 15 to 20 people i'm not you know that's not a knock on kaylin every time it's happened and it's like who in the heck are these people over here i've never heard this name before in my life and i've been at almost every council meeting for the last six years oh, all right so you know it's it's more of a people see that it, it could be an easy seat and maybe they can make a difference rather than the run a campaign which is a whole lot more work and um you know finding that out is is a unique perspective but i i think when we look at it, if we have to, we, that's the first step. Somebody that's done this before, so we get that. And then the second step is, hey, um, how long are they going to be in that seat? If we're talking 10 council meetings before the actual required election, why are we appointing? Like that is way outside the scope of what we should be doing. The community is going to vote one way or the other. We're literally giving somebody a head start, essentially. You know, that, exactly that is, right. you know, that's what's happening. Now, if it's a year, yeah, maybe if we get to two years, other than, like I said, when we know something's happening, like with Voss, we know this is coming. This isn't like a mystery. It could happen. We should plan for the um, election process to follow. If it's, um, you know, God forbid something happens to a council person after an election, you know, in that window of two years to a year and a half, then, OK, fine. We start. Uh, looking at an appointment and you know that's because it's a long-term you know issue that maybe we don't have uh, people running for whatever reason maybe we can appoint because it's a longer term and they'll have time to say you know get their feet wet or whatever but when you look at these I almost always favor an election over an appointment yeah I agree with you because I think as a voter, if you've got to do an appointment, you know, like, uh, OK, but then when they do a second appointment, you start wondering what's going on here. And and then a third appointment, you know, it, it begins to you begin to maybe question, do you, you know, do they have the public trust? Um, yes. Are they running a fiefdom or are they actually going out and getting the will of the people? Um, and really, city council members, especially now that we have districts, are representatives. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm also with you. I think they have to do an election. Um, and even if it costs a lot of money, because to me, this is a huge priority if that if that were to be the case. But like you said, maybe Voss doesn't win. Um, we'll find, we don't know. I mean, yeah. you know, we'll find out. He just got the endorsement from the UT. Um, so it'll be I'm very curious. It's a fascinating race because what the Republican Party, you know, not or, or endorsed uh, Anderson and Voss has got all these other endorsements. <laughs> so it's going to be crazy. Now, yeah. we got some more questions and, and we got one from Phil and Phil, I want you to hang on. I, I, we're going to get to Phil's question, but I want to finish up what we're talking about with this whole appointment scenario. And we're going to go to Pete Neald, and he says um, D4 and D3 is up right now on the same ballot. Um, well, actually, D4 and D2, I think, right? Yes. Okay. And um, where the mayor's position may be vacated, hence, if the mayor leaves, if the mayor leaves, more pressure on the vote of four with the potential of the two new people. So, in other words, so what if nothing gets done with a two-two vote? <laughs> Can you imagine so, that? So this is. This is the typical boogeyman. Like like I said, boogeyman. There, there are a few of them out there. Yeah. There's the cost, and then there's the, oh, we'll tie things up with the 2-2 vote. I, I already kind of commented on this. How many split votes have we had? We've had three 3-2 votes. 
Very so, few. Yeah. Um, if if the two person is the one that's out, it's a three one vote. If the three sides out, then it's a two two vote. We've had three of those in the last six years. So I'm <laughs> not really concerned. Ham was on the board, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm not real concerned about that. Even yeah. four one vote, then it'd be four zero or three one, right? Like. The odds of it aren't significant. And then you have to look at the council job. Um, I hate to say this. It's it's the, the least favorable thing for a candidate, and it's the thing that nobody really wants to talk about. But council's job, about 90% of the time, is stuff nobody cares about, nobody wants to think about, and almost everybody agrees on. Right. <laughs> it's right. daily maintenance stuff. Hey, are we writing our checks to pay for the bills that we have to get our roads done, to get the new truck, to, you know, whatever the case may be. That is about 90% of the job. Are we going to have a split vote on that? Almost never. I, I don't even see four one votes on that because it's, yeah. it's day-to-day things. When you get to these bigger issues, how frequently they come up, I'd say we have uh, a lot more recently, but um, – in a general normal scenario where we're not developing Poway Road, um, probably three to five a year. You know, in the last year, 2019, I think we had seven or eight maybe. Um, so it, having the issue is the first part. You have to have something big enough that now we're going to have a split decision. The community is going to get involved and people are going to care. Then you have to have the council be swayed enough to not vote unanimously. Then it has to affect at least two to three of them. So yeah. we're talking multiple layers down here. And again, appointment, you know, that's a limited window. We're talking 60 days. So all of what, six meetings? Um, no, four meetings, four meetings um, for an appointment uh, for a special election, maybe add two to four more meetings. So up to eight meetings where this could happen. You may have potentially one vote in those eight meetings that would be in that three, two possible category. And again, it'd have to be that three. That's the one that, you know, and a no decision doesn't mean, oh, we don't do anything. It means we'll have to have a vote on it later and nothing happens right now. There's a so, better chance you're going to be hit by lightning than that. Exactly. Happen. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a false boogeyman. I'm more concerned about the cost, to be fair, than I am about a 2-2 vote. Uh, It's just not realistic. And, you know, when they throw things out there like that, it's like, well, yeah, that's a possibility. Sure, and a plane can crash into me tomorrow while I'm crossing the street and looks both ways. It's 2020. Anything can happen. But, you know, it's, it's those things that when they get thrown out there as like, you know, this, hey, that could happen, and nobody says anything about it that drive me nuts about council stuff and campaigns because there's so many of them and you're like okay yes that is possible but completely unrealistic <laughs> you know and, and nobody ever calls it it's just yeah whatever and you know people that have done the research or looked at it go that's ridiculous i don't even want to give it my time and people that don't know think it take it's the biggest thing ever and you have to sit there and be in the middle and say, look, I've looked at it. It's not an issue for these reasons. And it's, you know, you spend, well, we just spent, you know, 10 minutes talking about something that is a non-issue in 99.99% of cases. <laughs> so it is it is what it is. But I'm, like, like I said, more concerned with cost than I am with a 2-2 vote that, you know, we could say, all right, we voted 2-2. Uh, can we all vote unanimously to bring this issue back after we get a third or a, you know a fifth member on our council? Cool, moving. On. You know, or if it's council meetings have had this happen a few times, 
they try to get the unanimous vote. There's the one person yeah. who's die hard. I'm against this. And they spend 10, 15, 20 minutes talking the issue out to try to get that unanimous decision. Um, and I don't have a problem with that. I have a problem with when, you know, they just vote unanimously and there's no discussion. <laughs> but yeah, like Dave they, Brush. Yeah, 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 we talked about that. Yeah. yeah. When, they, when they do that, you know, they should see, hey, it's 2-2 split. A good example of this, Barry Leonard's appointment. They were 2-2 split on Barry Leonard and Karen Dunn. Um, and, you know, it would have been 2-2. Like, well, we either aren't going to appoint because we're going to vote 2-2 or we're going to have to figure this out. Um, not for an appointment, but for a regular council item like development or things like that that need a decision. It should be one of those, all right, we aren't deciding here. Can we all agree to shelf this to a later meeting? How far out can we push it? Let's start having those talks um, so that we don't have a 2-2 vote. That would be the way to address it, I think, if we ran into that problem on council. Um, but again, 2-2 votes, uh, we have a better chance of having snow this year than we do of a 2-2 vote, honestly. It's snow in Poway. Um, <laughs> so this, this is, like, let's move on. I mean, we've yeah. kind of beaten a dead horse on this one. So um, I, I want to go back to Phil's question because he, sure. he was kind enough to post it. And, and this goes back to the comment you made earlier about does the community really have input on some of our planning decisions on Poway Road, et cetera. And Phil Factor, another candidate for election here in Poway, he, he has this idea for a planning commission that would get all kinds of citizens, I guess, on a committee. Maybe it's a large committee that would have a lot of input and recommendations on the planning uh, decisions for the city. What are your thoughts on that idea? Do you think it's enough to be representative of the community? Would it be effective? What, what do you think? So um, this is a very interesting topic. Um, when you hear council talk about development in Poway, they talk about it from the perspective of we are almost built out. That's across the board. The number one thing that gets said is there's very few spots left to develop. There's very little left to do other than demo what exists and rebuild. We don't really have that much development left. That's that's their their statements um, multiple times. pretty much true isn't it I mean, it is and and yeah. when we look at that and take that into account saying we need a committee dedicated to more development or the development that's coming in it's more of a we need a community that's dedicated to poway's values and poway's um spirit if you want to use a good word uh the the community feel and the what we value as a city the community input would be there rather than development that is should be winding down should be done it should be more of a hey this guy hasn't renovated or put a facelift on his place in 30 years can we get some action on that is there something we can kind of do there is there are we missing something does he need something you know what's the uh, you know way that we can get Poway to be the best it can be um, but to say hey we need to plan for more development, I think is, uh, uh, unless Sacramento gets crazy, um, it is kind of inviting that development into Poway. And I would prefer that development is uh, very tentative and not uh, 
you know, invited and welcomed process to everywhere gets developed. We, you know, everywhere gets a four story building or whatever the case may be. Um, so a commit, I do believe a committee or a commission or, you know, group of people, uh, kind of like parks and rec where you meet as needed, um, mm-hmm. would be a beneficial thing. Um, what I would like to see is a proportionate representation there though. Where is 99% of the development in Poway going to happen? Well, we have the Poway Road specific plan for a reason. So, you know, do we want to have it where every district gets one person? And then just like on council, every district gets one person and South Poway has one person. Okay, so I have one vote to four votes and we have no real voice to say this is wrong. What we do, we just get a 4-1 vote. Or do we say the people that are affected by this, those that live right there, uh, so District 2 and 3, maybe um, – or sorry, District 3 and 1, they each get two people. District 4, you get three to four people. District 2, for the most part, has no real major commercial development. We have a couple residential developments going on, but maybe it's one or two people for that. You know, proportionate representation to say, hey, <laughs> this impacts Poway Road. Well, District 1 and 3 are impacted heavily by that. District 4 – very impacted by that. You guys get a lot of the say. District 1, yes, your opinion is valuable. You come shop down here or you go to RB, I guess. Um, so it's valuable, but it doesn't hold that same weight. You're not driving Poway Road every day to go to your job unless you work on Poway Road, I guess. Um, like me, for example, I drive it two to three times a day or more, depending on what's going on. You know, Sometimes as many as 10 times if I'm going to pick up a dog, pick up my son, uh, you know, baby has to go visit somebody, campaign stuff and work all, you know, I'm on Poway Road constantly. Um, That's just not realistic for somebody living in North Poway as much as, you know, there's not a north-south divide. There is when you look at the general plan and it says that. And, and that divide really comes down to, do you use Poway Road as your main method of transportation? If you answer no, you probably are not in South Poway. If you answer yes, you most likely are in South Poway. If you answer maybe, then you're in that gray area where we're start, we got to figure out where the line goes and you're right on the line. This may be a big line, you know? And, and to me, that's, that's what defines the communities. You have Poway Road is your main way in and out, and you either try to go to Scripps Valley Parkway because it's crazy, or you go to Twin Peaks because traffic right or you just have no need for Poway Road because you go out on Espola or you go out to Twin Peaks and going all the way down to Poway Road just doesn't make sense you know there's obviously those people that are that weird you know unique group that use Poway Road to go out to the 67 right that's that's yeah not I do that yeah exactly that that's not a a bad thing but it's it uh, kind of bypasses that problem of why Poway Road would be bad. You go out to the 67. Now, that's not to say there isn't traffic out that way sometimes, especially if they're doing like work on the grade. But, you know, most of the time it's traffic related to work, not traffic traffic related to major construction, stoplights, school getting out or whatever else. So um, so it's, it's those two times of the day and it's almost predictable. Whereas right now you drive down Poway Road, you can roll the dice and what does it say? Oh, traffic today. Maybe not. Who knows? Here, here's an interesting question. So, um, you know, I used to live on Garden Road, but my, sure. for, I lived there for 
11 years. Um, and on Sycamore, was it Canyon Road or Sycamore yes. Creek Road that there's like a horse stable there and it goes up into these ranch areas and it get it connects to Scripps Poway Parkway. There's yes. an off ramp, but it's locked. And it's closed. a fire escape. Yes. Yeah. Fire escape. Would you support opening that up to general traffic so the Garden Road people could get to the 15 more quickly than going down Poway Road? So I don't think that that actually helps the majority of Garden Road where where it's located, um, because you'd be driving back into Garden Road, then down and then up onto Scripps Valley Parkway. It's about the same distance based on speed limits, residential community um, to go out Garden Road community up to Scripps Valley Parkway. Um, the concern for me is we're, we would be diverting people from Scripps Poway Parkway freeway. Like, I mean, speed limit is 55, 60 yeah. into the residential. Um, and that isn't going to be just, Hey, you have to have garden road, you know, on your driver's license. That's open for anybody. If we actually yeah, make it on ramp and um, that would be a lot of traffic going down right into main residential community, the school right there. And we kind of have a problem in some ways, I guess, uh, if you go, you know, Garden Road, Garden Road is very straight, except for a little tiny wobble, but for the most part, just a straight shot, no right. speed bumps, nothing. And for the school area, we have a crossing guard to go from a dirt lot across the street to the school, um, you know, whether that be leaving school or going to school. So we'd be looking at morning times or afternoon times when kids could be coming to and going from school, um, diverting traffic from the fast lane essentially down to residential or vice versa. Um, we already have enough problems watching some people not listen to the stops when it says, Hey, there's people crossing. Like they try to get through there, you know, that oh, I'm the last car I can go through and kids almost getting hit. Um, they haven't had any accidents, but yeah. you know, that's, that to me is far bigger concern that I don't want that. Um, and, you know, we could take steps to mitigate that and then maybe bring that back to the table. But um, until those are done, I see that as a bigger risk to our community than um, I do you know, the value of a connection, a faster connection possibly to Scripps Valley Parkway. Um, okay. So if we had, you know, for me, we put in a table speed bump that also acts as the crosswalk there for Garden Road, just that one. And it's uh, kind of like the ones on Carriage um, mm -hmm. where those big table long ones it's already been installed no no we don't have one we have nothing yeah, okay so if one of those was put in maybe some flashing lights the whole nine yards to really make it good and then we have our added extra you know crossing guard and help there that helps the school be safer that might make the added traffic from scripps Poway parkway not as much of a concern but again I'd have to see, you know, that kind of investment to the garden road to make it valuable for me to go, Hey, yeah, let's just <laughs> go into the community more to go up to Scripps Valley Parkway to go. And now you're going to Costco or home Depot. Whew, that would be great. Right where it's yeah. at. It'd be perfect. Yeah. But going to work, which most of us would be doing Scripps Valley Parkway back up on that side, you'd be driving down further on Scripps Valley Parkway. You'd, uh, you know, not necessarily. Hit all the lights anyways, right? Yeah, you did all, exactly. You, you'd um, gain a minute maybe or so. And, you know, if you hit all the lights, you gain nothing or less. Well, the, the whole idea of a, of a speed bump on Garden Road in front of the school sounds good, but I know that that is really hard to get accomplished because now I live off of Stone Canyon 
And yep. people here have always been, you know, freaking out about traffic. And there's quite a bit of no on P people here because they're concerned about the traffic overflow. And many years ago, well, not many, like about five, six years ago, they tried to get the city to put in speed bumps and the city wouldn't do it. So yes. uh, good luck with that. Well, and I think the reason, the, mo- the majority of the reason that I heard on that was related to emergency vehicles. Um, mm-hmm. There are significant ways to address the emergency vehicle boogeyman. <laughs> um, boogeyman's. It is. <laughs> but, you know, the, the speed bumps can be designed around um, emergency vehicles. That's one way. Um, and then is, as opposed to doing the shelf, there's a, what they call traffic pinches where the sidewalks come out. And it's still easy yeah. enough to drive through, but you feel like you're more close, so you slow down more. There's all kinds of staggered speed bumps. So one side's one, you know, one way and one side's the other, and they're like yeah. offset. Try to, there, offset. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that way they can do the S kind of drive through for emergency vehicles. There's there's a ton of ways around it, um, and it's it. They just throw the uh, emergency vehicles don't like it, so no. And, <laughs> I mean, they're, come on, it's we're we're talking about engineering uh, landslide areas, and and they won't let an emergency vehicle. You know, I think we can engineer this, guys. I, I think we got this. <laughs> well, let's. I mean, I got. I mean, we could go forever on this. Last our last <laughs> podcast was th- over three hours. It was so. It was I, I'm prepared to keep going. I love this conversation and hopefully a lot of our viewers and listeners are going to enjoy this. And, and again, we're live streaming. So we welcome your questions and comments. Just type them into the Facebook or YouTube comments. It pop up on the screen here for Chris and I, and we can ask, uh, you know, relay your questions to Chris, or if you just want to chime in or you want to tell, tell me that I'm full of it. You can do that too. Uh, so I want to just radically shift gears into something else. And, and, um, you know, we, we all got this in the mail, right? This is our sample ballot. And, and you know, I imagine a lot of people are already voting, right? I mean, yep. you know, I, I think a lot of people have been voting now because they're concerned about the mail system and everything else. But what I'd lo- I, I did a whole podcast on the propositions in California. And, you know, I'm not going to go through the list and ask you how you <laughs> feel on every single one of them. But is, is there any like one proposition that's on the ballot that really sort of lit your fire, like yes or no? And, and which one was it? Um, well, <laughs> so I normally am the the vote on the day of voter. Oh, yeah, I, me too. I, yeah, I wait and hear everything all the way up until because not that that some last minute gaffe is going to change my mind, but I think that um, voting early isn't bad, but you miss the perspective of that one last debate, that one last comment, that one last meeting, because we have another council meeting, right? You that, that one that. last access Hollywood bus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So you, you yeah. miss those kinds of things that maybe do change your mind and you go, oh, oh man, I, you know, but the other reason is because what I've seen with propositions is, you know, advertising shifts oh, as they go on it's and so it gets more and more ridiculous in a lot of cases. Oh. And overwhelming. Uh, but what I do is I do my own research on them. Um, usually later. Um, once, once I've seen enough ads, I can go, okay, the no ads are always going to be this way. The yes ads are always going to be this way. Um, but I take that into perspective when I do my research and I actually wrote a thing on Facebook about this. Cause I think it was, uh, I want to say 22, um, the Uber one. Yeah. Uh, so 
I've actually looked at that one. I've looked at a couple other ones here and there, um, but I haven't like, oh, I know everything about this one. I'm definitive going to be this way. I, I haven't. I just know generally probably where I'll fall and look at the supporting documents to say yes or no. Um, for 22, though, it was really interesting. You see both sides of it, what people are saying about it, the advertising for it, and then you start looking at what it actually has and what it says. Um, yeah. And it's it's all over the place. So people that are like, yes, it's like, okay, most of them, and I, I'm sure I'm going to offend somebody with this, but most of them aren't the affected people. Most of them are not doing rideshare. They are not the, oh, yeah, that's going to help you know, me. They're the, that's going to help them kind of people. Right, right. And it's kind of odd to see the support for a different group that you're trying to champion. And maybe you don't necessarily know that that's helping them, right? That, that might not help them in this case. So then you see a lot of no's and they're like, no, they deserve rights. And those companies are horrible and they deserve to pay them better or whatever. And you're like, is that really what's happening here? You know, kind of where, where are things at? So, I looked at it and, you know, the yeses are always like, hey, this will help. It'll keep rideshare in California, which, yes, that is a concern, rideshare leaving California because if this doesn't pass, then maybe Uber and Lyft and all of them can't operate here. And so, you know, I I have a feeling something will appear in that vacuum. But, um, you know, there is that concern. Then there's the what that impacts when you're talking about workers' rights, um, when you're talking about overtime, when you're talking about pay, when you're talking about all of that stuff. Well, it is this kind of new dynamic like classification to say, we'll give you some of this stuff, but there's this big tag attached to it that says you must meet these criteria in order to get that stuff. And you know, the more you look at it, you're like, well, is that a reasonable set of criteria? Is that something that happens regularly? Or does that exclude the majority of the, you know, gig economy that's using this? Um, and, you know, the more I look at it, the more I feel it's kind of the exclusive to, hey, I'm just doing this as a little side thing. I don't get anything out of it because I have my regular job, which, again, maybe the regular job covers it so they don't need it. But then there's those that this is almost their job primary and their way of making money. Um, And maybe they do it across multiple platforms and uh, the cohabitating or the commingling ones like DoorDash with Uber or Uber Eats with Uber, you know. Um, So, you know, you look on their car and there's like 17 different logos. You're like, oh, all right. (laughs) Uh, So there are those people who are making a living off of this, but because it has to be, you know, this pickup was Lyft, this pickup was Uber, this was a DoorDash, this was a, you know, uh, whatever the the delivery one is for groceries. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, You know, whatever those are, they, they jump between them. So they're only working maybe two or three hours on this one, then two or three hours on this one. And across all of them, they get nothing. You know, they don't get those benefits because they didn't meet the hours criteria or they didn't meet whatever. And then you look at it a little bit deeper and it says, oh, time spent waiting doesn't count. So for all of them, they'll jump between this one to this one because there wasn't an available ride soon enough or, you know, whatever. You start looking, you're like, well, that time to jump between platforms doesn't count for them. The time here doesn't count for them. And there's all these restrictions. You're like, so does it really help them? Because most of them are across multiple platforms, and that hinders them unless they literally dedicate themselves to a single platform. 
So after looking at it and seeing that, it's kind of like, okay, Uber benefits if you're, you know, Uber, Lyft, and DoorDash and everything else because you're across multiple platforms. They don't benefit and they have to pay you and have to support you if you're just exclusive to them. But then, hey, they have an exclusive employee, you know, at that point. And then you look at the funding for this. It's like $50 million or something like that. And it's literally Uber, Lyft, uh, DoorDash. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the five of them and nothing else. I think there's like a $250 donation. Their top 10 is six donations. And yeah. five of them are the delivery service or, you know, Uber type companies. And then one is just some guy that gave them money, I guess. And then you look at the no side and it's, everybody else, uh, whether that be unions, whether that be uh, gig economy workers, whether that be, you know, councils. And it's, it's crazy to see that because there's this perception that, Oh, you're helping the person. Well, if you're helping an employee of Uber or DoorDash or whatever, um, to get their benefits, right. To, to really stick it to the company because they'd owe them. I'm pretty sure Uber wouldn't be putting $50 million into it to, to take a piece out of my pie. Right. They have the vested interest that for this to succeed, to not only keep California as a place that they can operate, but also not have to pay those that don't meet this exclusive criteria that they almost entirely devised on their own that I would bet excludes 80, 90, 95%. I mean, I don't know the number, but I would expect based on their standard uh, calculation, what they said, um, which doesn't go into the details, that it's excluding the majority of the employees that, you know, define themselves as an Uber employee or a Lyft employee, just because they have multiple platforms they support. Um, So when you look at it at the end of the day, it's like, yes, seems good, but no, really holds their feet to the fire to say, no, you can't just treat them as dispendable, you know, multi-supporting employees. You have to give them the credit for what they do for you as that, you know, three-hour shift or whatever and give them the benefits related to that. And, so you you're know, gonna be a, you're a no on 22. I, I am a no on 22 because of that funding. You know, when you look yeah. at it at the end of the day, who benefits? You know, you don't spend $50 million on something as a company that isn't going to benefit you. And I have a feeling yeah. they save a significant amount in the benefits, in the, the write-offs and everything else that is being offset by this little, you know, I guess you could concession that they say, Hey, we'll give these people this, this, you know, small percentage here that actually work X number of hours. I think it's like 30 hours a week. We'll give them some benefits, but even, not even full benefits. It's this, reduced exclusive classified version of an employee that isn't an employee. So, you know, my concern with it is upfront that, and then how does that translate into other jobs? You know, can you start saying people who work hourly across the board, like Taco Bell, like McDonald's, like Walmart, whatever, can we now start reducing what they count as employees to this new classified, whatever Uber created that is, you know, hey, if they don't work 30 hours, and, and we kind of have in some ways, but that is the concern is that this has more of a far reaching impact. And, you know, cert- sure, it went from independent contractor to classified employee to whatever this will make. I worry about it impacting other businesses and uh, essentially turning our hourly employees, which in a lot of cases 
are the essential workers we're literally relying on during the pandemic into, you know, this, how can we cut that down to make it so we don't have to pay them more so that the CEO can get another $2 million bonus, you know? Mm -hmm. That's what I see it as. And, you know, maybe that's down the road a little bit more, but everyone's always talking about, you know, the, what is it, Prop 15, how that'll turn into Prop 13 and take away all of our taxes or whatever. There's these slippery slopes. And yes, some of them are really valid. Some of them are also ridiculous, but some of them are absolutely valid. And when you talk about reclassifying or creating a new class of employee, that is very relevant for all employees everywhere, whether you're salary or hourly, because that's saying, hey, what we had before was salary and hourly and then independent contractor that kind of set their own hours. Now we're making another one, a fourth one that's in between independent contractor and hourly, but doesn't really get uh, the company benefits. It's like, well, what is is that? You know, and how many people can we shift to that? You know, that starts becoming the real concern. And I, I hope people are aware of those things. And, you know, I hope maybe we don't see that, but I think it's a risk that I'm not willing to take. And, you know, I, I see the people supporting and against and just have to say, you know, look, look at the bottom line. Who's really benefiting um, from a yes? Who's really benefiting from a no? And at the end of the day, what does that mean for California? What does that mean for you? You know, you know, it's, it's funny because our, our votes are going to offset on that one. Uh, <laughs> now, I, I don't want to turn this into a debate on Prop 22 because I want to make this about you and your campaign. Oh, no, that's fine. <laughs> uh, no, but still, I, I just I'm trying to respect the audience as well because uh, I'm I make my living as an independent contractor you do. Um, and, and consulting, and so I tend to, and I'm much more of a free market kind of guy. So I, I very much am supportive of 22. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. Normally, in the state of California, these kinds of things go in the favor of the worker. That's usually how the votes turn out. I haven't seen any polling on this. I'm curious to see how it's leaning. Um, but you know, it's a fascinating topic, I think. Yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, let's let's move on, because, again, I don't want to make this about me. I want to make this about you. <laughs> OK, because <laughs> you're the guest. Right. So. Hey. <laughs> um, OK, so um, I saw a picture of you and your family over at the hop stop in, uh, in Poway. <laughs> How'd you like yeah. that place? I've uh, been there a few times. It's great. Um, you know, we were there day after they opened. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's it's fantastic. Um, you know, we talked to the owner a few times. We actually have our uh, our because they have that outdoor area. They they really embrace mm-hmm. the whole um, you know pandemic eat out, I guess, kind of yeah. thing. Um, so they have the outdoor eating area, and uh, what we've recently shifted uh, the PTA, which I'm on, <laughs> to is this outdoor meeting. So now we can meet outdoors. We can also eat, and we, you know, so the president will bring his computer, and we'll be able to zoom in. And you know, if if they can't meet, or you know, you're on the move, or you don't want to meet because of concerns perfect you can still zoom but we can all meet we can have a meal we can do what we need to do um so it's great for that and they're uh, helping us with that they're accommodating setting aside a nice area off on you know in a corner <laughs> so we don't disturb people um and then on top of that just when we've gone before it's they have it set up really well um they they keep adding to it so i keep seeing better and better things um you know the the scan qr codes for the menus so now you don't have menus that are transitioning hands and possibly yeah. a, a concern there you just scan it on your phone you have it on your phone um they have um the tab that they set up so you you know put go in you set up your tab and you know 
go throughout the night and you can close out your tab. And if you forget to close out your tab, then they will charge you a premium on that. But they can do that. And it, it because it's so easy to walk in and walk out, it's not a, oh, I forgot to pay. It's, well, I'm paying a little extra. Yeah. Um, but you don't, you don't have to drive back and take care of that. They will uh, close out your tab. <laughs> that didn't happen to us. But it's, you know, they, they've set it up to be so convenient to go in and out. And, you know, it's dog friendly. It's, um, you know, everything that you could think of to make it as inclusive for families, for nice. pets, for everything. Um, and it's, yeah, it's it's a good time. I, I really enjoy, you know, the, what they have set up there. So it's a nice shopping center. And, you know, I've been to Smoke and Jay's Barbecue. That's really yep. good. And and then we often go to the Bark Collar, I think is what yes. it's called. And yes. um, so th- those people there are really cool. But I haven't been to the Hop Stop. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Kevin Kennedy chimes in. He says tuning, tuning. I don't know what he means by that. Anyway, for tuning in. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. He's tuning in. So, um, again, we welcome your comments and questions here on the live stream, you know, feel free to share. Um, but you know, like let's talk just briefly about, you know, in South Poway, what are, are there some new restaurants or new stores that you've, you and your family have been enjoying in district four? So, um, not really new, (laughs) Yeah. Um, a lot of a lot of things are uh, kind of built already, and that, that's the the sad thing. You have the the uh, north of Poway Road, and then right south of Poway Road. So north of Poway Road, there's a couple new ish ones, and then there's south of Poway Road where District Four is. Right. So so that line is, you know, but there are new restaurants. Um, personal ones. I mean, um, this this goes back to uh, actually account. Uh, question at one of the forums where they asked about, you know, smoke-free environments and things like that. Um, I didn't know that certain restaurants had already done that. And I didn't know that how I didn't already have something in place for that, given now we've shifted to this outdoor environment. Um, but it's actually nice to see um, restaurants that I frequented. So one of them for pizza, I usually go to Coney Island Pizza. Um, hi, Christina, if you're watching. <laughs> um, and they're fantastic. You know, I, I can't recommend them enough. That's one of our, our go-tos if we're having pizza. It's also on my way in, so it's nice to, you know, be able to stop, get the pizza, and continue. Um, the sushi place right next to there, we've frequented a number of times. We haven't been since the pandemic. Um but, you know, we, we've gone to a lot of places, you know, almost everywhere in the South, you know, District 4 area, almost every restaurant. Um, but, you know, there's a few that we continuously frequent. Um, outside of District 4, though, we still have our favorites, uh, you know, like Taco Taco we're at and yeah, frequently there. Um, Smoke and Jay's, like you said, Old, old Poway just is a wealth of wonderful places, uh, new and old, that are, you know, generally family friendly and that's that's uh awesome it's it's really nice to to have that in the community um you know even if you're driving to old poway but you know there are a number of other places along poway road that are um the similar style you know the kaminsky's have been there a few times um whether you know you're going there for that kind of you know barbecue or whether you're going to smoking jays you're probably going to get a good meal whether you're going to uh taco taco or you're going to was a chamoy i've i've enjoyed chamoy a number of times or a brick house or the barn or <laughs> a lot of uh, mexican food places um you ever, but, do you ever find it it's weird that that el armando's is still there and you, and that that lot wasn't included in the commons plan 
Yes. <laughs> there's a, there's a, one of these odd little left yeah. out ones. So, but yeah. Oh, and somebody just said mainstream. Mainstream is, uh, I've been there a number of times. Um, I haven't been since they reopened because they just recently uh, reopened. So I haven't seen their, like, I guess they have the patio in the back. Um, but yeah, oh. before the pandemic, we've been there a number of times for breakfast, lunch, dinner, all nine yards. So, well, that's, that's where they have the secret council meetings, right? Yeah. Well, that's why I went, obviously. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, we, we, my wife and I love going to the brig, you know, that's a great place just for a drink and some fish tacos. Um, there's a lot of great places on Poway road. We've just recently, um, you know, just discovered some Thai places there. Um, so yeah. Iron pan Thai kitchen. (laughs) No, the other one, was it ladle? Is it Thai ladle? Oh, that one's, Uh, is that over by Rosario's pizza? I, I think say. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's over by the, uh, what is it called over there? Yeah, uh, Big Lots, I want to say. Big Lots yeah. Shopping Center, yeah. Yeah, so there's there's just so many great restaurants. So I, I make it a point, like when we, you know, it's like one of those nights where, what do you want for dinner? I don't know, what do you want? You know, so <laughs> I, I'll go on Yelp and then I'll look at Poway and then I'll sort it by the, the user score in descending yeah. order. And I stop at the top, start at the top with the five stars and I just work my way down the list and, you know, trying new places. It's like restaurant roulette. And you, oh, yeah. you get, you, you stumble across some really good food that you never had any idea the place even exists. So, yeah, there, cool. there are there are a lot of places in Poway that are just, you know, you almost wouldn't know that they're there, but obviously they're doing well because, you know, people still that's their go to, you know, yeah. you'll see that if you ask, what's your favorite pizza? Yeah, you'll get a dozen different suggestions. What's your favorite Mexican food? Dozen different yeah. suggestions, you know, and you're like, wait, I've never heard of that one where are they and you know yeah. you find out where they're at and you're like oh okay we'll have to go over to that and see what's going on there um so yeah it, it, there is a diversity of quite a few um different types of food though well, the one i'd say that is most lacking across just Poway in general would be your your italian like specifically italian um you know when Dominic's left. It was yeah. one of the the few, and and since then it's kind of like you know there's there's choices that are Italian esque, but there's not like a full on you know you can get all of the choices of an Italian restaurant um, that, that we found that really kind of filled that gap. So, but other foods they're pretty much well covered. I mean, we cover a lot. What's the name of the place that's God, I can't remember the name, and it's um, it's Italian and it's right by Target. Uh, you're talking about uh, the Via Capri? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <laughs> that place is, is surprisingly good. I mean, yes. in a shopping center, you're not sure, you know, what you're going to get, especially takeout. You walk in there and it's like, whoa, this is like a nice restaurant. Yeah. Um, so that, yep. that I thought they have good Italian. Um, back when my kids were in high school, they used to work at Mama Cella's. But that's in Rancho Bernardo. Um, <laughs> but it's off like where like Lomica and Bernardo Center Drive, like by the there's a Jack in a Box and a Taco Bell over there or Jack in a Box and Carl's Jr. But in there, they're at shopping center. There's a Mama Chell's. That's a really good kind of mom and pop. But anyways, that's RB. Um, <laughs> OK, so um, anyways, a few more comments are coming in. We invite your comments and questions in the live stream. Just type them in. Uh, Mariana Benedict Basilla said, I'm glad to hear Chris's articulate and informed response to the Prop 22 question. Thank no you, question. You know, uh, Chris was very articulate and really made his case strongly. So, yeah, right on. Um, and then look at Delana Alps chiming in. We had uh, sushi a couple of times. I picked it up from Izumi and brought it home. And yes. that's the one way on the west end of Poway Road, right? Yeah, 
yes, that's the one. Actually, it's next to um, Coney Island. It's on the corner there, Zumi. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good place. Um, yeah. I used to go there quite a bit. I would, you know, that funny you go on little streaks. Where you <laughs> go to a place over and over again for a while, and then you lay off. Yeah, and I had a streak going with a Zoomy for a while. That was a good place. So, yeah. um, Kevin Kennedy says Bua Thai is our Thai spot. So right on. So yeah, the restaurant recommendations are always good on the podcast here. Um, <laughs> let's, um, you know, we talked about you know the the propositions, right? Yes. So let's let's get to Measure P in Poway, and so. Sure. Um, now I was, we were chit chatting a little bit before we got started, um, about next door. And I had been recently, I don't normally go on next door. I'm usually my social media is Facebook and Twitter and YouTube, but, um, there's a lot of active conversation on next door about measure P. Um, and it's getting heated. I mean, it's pretty hot discussion. In some cases, there, there are some names there that you recognize, like Nick Stavros is out there making his case. Um, but there's other people I don't even know. And boy, that people, especially here in, you know, I live off of Stone Canyon. There's a lot of hardcore no on P people here. There's also a lot of strong yes supporters. So I'm interested in, in your thoughts on, on this proposal. Um, and, and especially th- there's been some interesting conversation with Chris Cruz on, on her South and North Poway votes page where she is seeing the development of, um, you know, the farm in Poway as some kind of a, you know, another proxy for the North versus South Poway divide. Um, so, Interested in your thoughts on the project and maybe some of this uh, North versus South Poway stuff that yeah. um, that, you know, uh, we're hearing from a lot of people. Yeah. So um, it, it's interesting with uh, next door, just quick side topic, the ability of posting there. I mean, you can hit pretty much all of Poway, but some conversations that people have told me about or, you know, sent me screenshots of or whatever are selective to very specific communities based on next door's community, right? Like not, this isn't anything with districts. This isn't what, you know, we call garden road, garden road, but in next door, I think they have a garden road North and a garden road South. And, you know, so it's, it's interesting that, you know, there is that kind of specificity, and then you have something like Measure P, where it's all Poway gets to vote, and occasionally you'll see that conversation where it's you know just the Stone Ridge or something talking about it. Yeah, uh, and right. I can't join to go. Hey, I've got my two cents to join it. You know, <laughs> so not always. You know, but that happens somewhat regularly with certain very specific areas. So if you're talking about like um, the commons, it happens where they're like only over there talking about, it. or if you're talking about um, the lot on twin peaks getting developed, only the twin peaks areas, you know, the one that's talking about it. And then I just get the screenshots. <laughs> it's like, well, I can't really join. I can make my own post, I guess, but you know, so, so that's my, my dislike of next door is that um, kind of, you know, we don't want your outside opinion. Um, even though as a city, we're going to decide one way or another from council. Right. Um, and realistically, you know, some of these issues will affect us all, or we will all have a vote. Right. Um, right. When we're talking about Poway road, if you come to Poway road, it will affect you how much traffic there is. Um, even if you're just at the stoplight once, it will start affecting you. Um, if you're talking about, you know, measure P, this is a 
citywide vote. And if you're talking about the Twin Peaks thing, that's a council decision. So you need all of council's input and they're all across Poway. So, you know, these kind of excluding things um, kind of drive me away from next door in some cases. I mean, I still try to review it, but, you know, I know my my ability to is limited based on those kinds of things happening. Um, so with um, with regard to next door, though, and that conversation for Measure P, I'd have to say that, you know, there's a lot to unpack. Um, I mean, you could just look yeah. at the agenda item when they approved it. It's like 4,000 pages, I want to say, <laughs> give or take. Um, and there are a lot of... Um, specific issues that people kind of are it's their their one item voter issue for measure p right um so when you look at it it comes down to what do you think you're going to get out of it you know pros and cons what do you think you're going to lose um and when i really like looked at it um the nice thing i will say pros that um you know i've been able to reach out to and been able to get hold of uh, kevin mcnamara with fairly you know fairly easily um and I, i that might be because i'm a candidate i I haven't heard people say I can't get a hold of him. So, so I'm going to give it to him that, that he's available. Um, he is generally you know, very yeah. available. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and so I, I, I'm just going to give that to him. I mean, if people start telling me he doesn't answer my calls and all right, <laughs> but you know, for the most part, I, I've not heard anybody saying that. So, you know, I'll give him that pro. Um, so when you go and you want to have a question or you have an issue, you can talk to him or he can go find the answer, which is what uh, frequently happens with my questions. If I have them, um, and that's nice. You know, that's kind of the way I would expect development to go. Um, you know, questions get answered or they can find the person that's going to give you the answer. Um, and my biggest thing is being able to tie that back to what's in black and white, what the actual plans that were approved have in them. Um, so in this case, we have, I guess, the big issue to start with was uh, in June, they approved the draft um, specific plan. When you talk about it being a draft, I want to know when it's going to be finalized and what's changed between the draft and the final version. And are we having another vote from council? I'm pretty sure that's uh, no, we're not having another vote probably after the election because they can't really approve things before the election that are contingent on an election. And we don't know the changes because if we don't get a council meeting, it'll just be what's changed. Right. So we'll have to go look to find what's changed. Um, that to me is is a big concern, and I get that there are certain parts of that that are outside of control of you know individuals because they are contingent on an election. But it is that questioning, like, hey, is this really going to be you know WYSIWYG? What you see is what you get. Um, that that's the starting point where I came into things a lot with uh, this, and then I started asking more and more questions. Um, so when we look at it, there's the EIR. That is a fascinating. In bit there. And, you know, I'm not going to get into who paid for it, how it was made, that stuff. I'm just going to go over what's contained. One of the big things that that's contained there. Um, it has four different um, plans for what can happen with that property. Nothing, which we already know what nothing is. So mm-hmm. don't need to talk about that more. The current plan that is approved, 160 homes on the, you know, 60 or 40 acres or something like that. Um, again, that's been pretty well articulated, so shouldn't need to talk about it. But there's two other plans that are kind of just nobody knows about. And when you look at what people are saying are their problems, 
it's kind of weird that nobody knows about these plans and that this wasn't um, a big item at the council meeting to talk about. This wasn't something that was put out there for the community to know about um, because there are less density. There are reduced density plans for development of the same lot. Um, and when you look at what people mostly are complaining about, it's traffic um, due to density <laughs> or just density. So it's traffic or density are the two biggest complaints across the board uh, that I've seen. Um, and, you know, when you look at there's another possible alternative or two, actually, that's why, why did we not talk about this? And I can speculate it's due to profits and feasibility of, hey, this isn't worth our time if we develop less. Um, but the EIR has its own answer for it and says, you know, that it's just <laughs> they're they're self-fulfilling answers that, you know, it's kind of like, well, if we do nothing, then nothing happens. Yes, you're, you're right. Or it's less dense, so we don't have the density necessary to really build a community. OK, <laughs> you know, it, it's those kind of answers where it's like, well, yeah, you build a community and then the density of the community is set by whatever you're building. It's not the other way around. It, you know, you could have two homes that could be a community. It's a very small community. It's you and your neighbor. But that's a community. You have 10 homes. That's a community. Right. You know, it's how big you want to make it. And in this case, it could expand to the area there, the uh, surrounding properties to say that's all the community. Um, but that's kind of the self-fulfilling answer. It's not a big enough community or it's not a community because it's only two homes or whatever, you know, the lower density ones are. Um, but when I see that people's problem is traffic and density and they already have this identified as a, we don't want to do that because the EIR says we shouldn't do that because it doesn't do what we want it to do. It's that loss of representation. You know, the voters didn't really get to see that. I mean, unless you go digging through a council agenda um, and it wasn't talked about at the council meeting. And, you know, at the end of the day, if that solves the problem and that's that common ground, that compromise, if you will, then why are we not having those discussions? And, you know, what's, what's the real, uh, I guess, bottom line here. Um, we went with the most dense and there's two other less dense proposals that could offer benefits to the community, uh, arguably, um, that kind of countered the concerns. So why did you not do that? Why are you fighting the fight for more density? Well, obviously, no matter what, there's profit. That is, you can't yeah. take that out of, you know. <laughs> so Profit yeah. isn't necessarily a bad thing. It, it isn't. And, and mm -hmm. you know, so fighting for that profit, is it the profit that's driving this? Or is there something else there that you can then say, hey, this is really the reason. And to me, I don't see that. I see profit. I don't see... Well, we need, you know, 160 homes because if you have 140, then what? I, I, I don't see a, what we're missing, right? That to me is, is the, the lost aspect. When you want a community that is concerned about, hey, you're going to overdevelop, you're going to cause traffic, you're going to impact other uh, neighborhoods, you're going to impact um, the quality of life for surrounding neighborhoods. And you actually, they call that out with their traffic impact to say, you can't turn into other communities. We're, we're going to have barriers. Um, so they're connected, but not, you know, when you talk about those are impacts, mm -hmm. then clearly that's going to be an impact that not only affects those other communities. So you had to take action, but it affects the community you're actually developing. And you have a solution, make it less dense and still make a profit. 
not as much, but still make a profit. Um, and so it comes down to, you know, I see this as a one, you know, we're, we're pushing hard for the one time. This is it. We get a pass or whatever, the measure P. Um, and if it doesn't, then they're like, oh, we're going to throw our hands up and we're done. Uh, I see two other alternatives there that are equally or more valuable and beneficial to the community based on their own inputs. So if this doesn't pass, you miss it by 5%. You could probably get that 5% from those people. Are those two other proposals or options in the EIR, are they both, um, they're both residential development, but just less density, less Yes. Yes. Less, uh, less homes. And I, I don't know how it impacts the commercial as much, but yes, it is less homes that is specifically called out. It's like, I want to say one, the uh, least dense is like 40% less dense and the other one was 20% or 10% or something like that. Right. So, so yeah, it, to me, it's, there will be profit made if this passes, if it doesn't pass, nobody makes profit. Right. So at the end of the day, you want profit why are you not reaching out to your community and saying, Hey, okay, this is too dense for you. We have this other one here. Is this, is this good enough? How many more people can we sway now to then be on board with this product or this, you know, development as it were. And is that now enough to pass, you know, but I I have the feeling it's, we're going to push for the most money, the most development, the most we can pack in there. And if it doesn't work, we're going to throw our hands up in the air and we're all going to walk away from the table. And to me, that's, that's not the right answer. That to me says you aren't invested in the community as much as you are the project and making the dollar. And if you're invested in the community, you're still coming back to the table. Like <laughs> odd example, Fairfield is still coming back to the table after two years of terrible proposal. <laughs> right. Right. But they're still coming back. Right. Are they doing the outreach? Not to any degree that we really see. Are the proposals good? No. But are they walking away? No. And all I keep hearing is if this doesn't work, we're done. We're walking away until a worse proposal or some other developer or whatever happens. And I'm just like, well, that's I mean, what kind of argument is that to me that says, well, then you don't really care about the community. You're not invested in it if if you don't get your way. (laughs) Well, I think if. If um, you know, we already had one vote on it and it was turned down, um, if Measure P fails, you know, then at, at what point do people just take that as the community just doesn't want to build anything there at all, period? Um, well, and the, be- that's, is that the case? Uh, I yeah. have, the, the previous proposal was we don't know what's going to be built. It was way more vague. This one is we've got a decent plan and it's too dense or too much traffic, right? The other one was less dense. It, it, was. Was, it, was, it was. It was It was condos, 55 and over. There was still a golf course there. Yep. Um, and that was shut down, I think, mostly because people had grudge mode with the with the property yes. owner, Schlesinger. Um, but it's interesting, you know, you bring up density with Measure P. And it's funny how this works both ways. Like, on one hand, if you take the number of homes you know, divided by the amount of space that exists in the entire property, it's not that dense. But obviously the homes are all built in certain clusters where, yeah, they'll be, you know, backed up against each other. Um, But the other funny thing about this is, and it's why I brought up the North versus South Poway issue, is that one of the frequent complaints amongst our friends in South Poway is that, 
a lot of the higher density projects go into South Poway and that the people that make those decisions are generally um, city council members that often live in North Poway. And so that creates a little bit of this, well, a lot of friction with some people. Um, so now we've got a case where they're actually doing development in North Poway because usually the South Poway people said, you always do development in our area. You never develop your area. Well, now they're doing development or proposing development in North Poway. You could argue that it's high density. Um, I know some people are saying that. And I think depending on how you do the math, that could be true. Um, But still, um, it it seems like uh, I was surprised that Chris Cruz was so and again, that's really a question for her. It's not really fair for me to bring up to you. But I was just surprised that this is seen within the lens of North versus South Poway when it seems like, you know, all the impact is going to be on people in North Poway and the, the, the leaders in North Poway are generally supportive of it. Um, so I just wonder how this is representative of the North versus South Poway battle. So I think that, and, you know, this is my take on it, my opinion on it, that the perspective from a lot of people when you talk about North-South Poway divide is, you know, think of the level of involvement. And again, this is credit to Kevin McNamara um, that has gone to, hey, this is what our proposal is and this is what we get from the community. Uh, some of that also goes down to he has to get it past the Prop FF vote. Exactly. Then you take on South Poway, the outposts, for example. There's no Prop FF protection. There's no real discussion within the community other than the Poway Road specific plan that they point to. Um, and then same thing with Poway Commons, Fairfield, so on and so forth, where it's just council decides. And the community input when we go to a council meeting is, well, you should have talked at the Poway Road specific plan. Sorry, you weren't there for that. And I'm like, this is a new development, even though it's the same plan. Their input is valid because this is a different development. Yeah. Um because we don't have prop FF to protect it. You know, right, the, that's closest, a fair point. the closest we have is the proposal that was going to be Matadi Meadows, which we talked about a little bit ago, that versus North Powett. And what you saw was, hey, we don't want to lose prop FF. We don't think that's a good lot for it. That's way too dense when you're talking about 40 homes on eight acres. Same arguments kind of going across. And, you know, when you look at the issue from a perspective of Poway, we say too dense for 40 homes on eight acres. And then depending on the math, like you said, for North Poway, hey, it's still too dense is too dense or traffic is traffic, right? You got traffic there. You got people talking about traffic on Twin Peaks. You got the concerns of traffic and how it'll impact for um, uh, Big Stone Lodge even, even though I think there's deeper issues there. Um, so when we're talking about the issues, the issues are the same across the board. I think the problem is how is the community's voice being heard? And when you look at the concessions, the amenities of the farm, when you compare that to amenities of Outpost or Commons or Fairfield's last proposal, there's this clear divide of those are amenities, these are not. And the amenities are in North Poway, the amenities are not in South Poway. You know, when you're talking about the Fairfield's great one, we're going to put in a traffic signal, which the city may have required anyway, and that'll help with traffic, which is really yeah. an amenity. That was a cluster. Uh, I'm sorry, that's, that, yeah, that was you're going to fix our traffic problem with a stoplight 
that's going to be the amenity for you to be four stories tall. I mean, you know, and, and so you look at that and you say, it's obviously profit is the name of the game, but there are clear amenities in North Poway. When you're talking about pickleball courts, uh, farms, literal farms to make food and produce, um, multiple gathering locations and things like that. And then you look at South Poway and it's, not <laughs> well let me, let me give really you a devil's advocate let's say that there was a proposal to build on the matate meadows that offered all these amenities that we're talking about would you support that i'm guessing so, you wouldn't how dense that, that well, that's the question I mean, if you take proportional density down, I guess, and uh, <laughs> are we talking about like, a full 40 acre one with eight acres? Like, I, I don't. It seems like most people that are supportive, and again, I'm not saying we should build on Matade Meadows, but most people that are supportive of protecting Matade Meadows don't want any development at all, period. Right? They just want to keep it virgin. And I, I definitely see that. Um, there are the other issues, which we kind of mentioned, the the soil and the other problems there. Um, but when you look at the difference here, um, you know, I, I compared them because they're as similar as you can get with Prop FF um, protections. But I, it's been said a number of times at council um, forums, uh, the golf course for Stone, which is um, – disturbed land, I believe is the phrase. It's already had things done to it. Matade is not the same. It's actually yeah, mostly native. And so exactly. when you compare the two, you're, you're taking land that is going to be developed probably by the state at some point if we don't do something with it, with Measure P and Stone Ridge, and actual open space with animals living, coyotes, habitats, hiking trails, etc., there's that that is a big distinction um and you know when you compare those yeah the amenities could be the same the density could be the same i think that that shifts the value just slightly to say i wouldn't want that in matade as a comparison to a golf course that's already been developed right it already has literal roads going through it um but when you take it from the perspective of you know those kinds of amenities and a small scale development, could that work? Um, you know, again, are they accounting for all the land issues? Are they accounting for the residents' concerns? Are they accounting? You know, there was no effort made for the Matade proposal to do those kinds of things. Whereas I feel that Measure P, well, I will just make this clear. I don't support right now. I'm not in favor of. Um, while I feel they've done a lot in community outreach, I don't see that happening in South Poway when they, you know, compare development to development. What is it? 2018. It was get the signatures on there, get it on the ballot. We can do what we want if it passes. And then measure P it's literally, this is what we're going to have. This is how it's going to be. Let's talk to council. Let's talk to the community. Here's my phone number. Here's, you know, it's a night and day difference. And so until you can get that level playing field, which we don't see, North and South Divide still exists. And we don't get the same amenities. We don't get the same treatment because we don't have those same protections. The only close place that we would have that are out off of Poway Road, up, um, going out towards the 67 and Matade. That, that's, yeah. Those are our fights to keep. And North Poway has everywhere almost that's protected by it. Well, I think, I think in the case of um, you know, Stone Ridge, 
the the proposal that was on the ballot in 2017 was similar to what you said. This is what it is. Let's get it through. Let's try to pass it. There wasn't a lot of community outreach and that failed. And so that's why I think, you know, even you admit McNamara is really going above and beyond to try to explain it. You know, people are going to vote how they vote based on their own values. Um, But it's 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 interesting how we're getting into this election season. And like I said, on next door, man, it was hot. <laughs> People were really amplified and emotional about it. It's, it was just kind of amazing to read. Yeah. I do want to read some of these comments that have been coming in from our viewers. Um, Kevin Kennedy says, I love profit. <laughs> so uh, and then <laughs> Michelle Weald says, uh, thanks for letting us know about the other two options on the farm. I know uh, I now know how I'm voting, how I'm going to vote. Excuse me. I stumbled over that. I now know how I'm going to vote. Uh, Mariana Benedict Basilla says, um, will there be any low income or a ha- affordable housing in the development? I That's a whole she's talking big about topic, affordable housing. <laughs> but yeah. no, there isn't. As far as I know, they have said they're no. buying out. So for, for the farm, that is. Exactly. And so I know that's an objection by a lot of people is that if it doesn't have affordable housing, then it's a no. Um, And that's a whole other topic. Um, (laughs) And then uh, Mariana goes on to yeah, she was referring to the farm development. And then Delena um, Ops um, or a couple of trees and picnic tables as a park right off of Poway Road versus a butterfly habitat. Yeah, that's a fair that's a fair uh, objection. And then Mariana goes on to say Matade Meadows is in the MSRP cornerstone habitat. Yeah. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that it's a it's a habitat. There's there's natives, you know, yeah, conservative being for protected. It. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it's it's just interesting. So, yeah, if you know it, all these hypothetical scenarios, right, like if Voss wins his election, how does the seat get filled if the. Measure P passes or doesn't pass, then what happens? Yeah. Um, we are a city in flux, Chris. There's a lot yes. going on in power. Well, and so it, it's funny. So I said, you know, I'm not in favor of Measure P, and I'll make it clear because I know there's yeah. people that'll choose based on that. Whatever. It is what it is. Uh, I think you should go do your research. I can give you the facts. I have no problem being objective about it. I, I said what I said. And like I said, McNamara is very readily available. Feel free to reach mm-hmm. out to him. Um, I'm making my decision based on those kinds of things. And that doesn't mean that if this passes, I'm going to be up there like, ah, I wouldn't have supported this. No, that means <laughs> my goal at that point is this was passed by the city. I want to hold them to as close to or exactly what they said they were going to do at the end of the day. If this passes, that's what we the next fight is, is making sure that they're doing things as the plan says, you know, no bait and switch, no boogeyman. That's where it can't change the plan, can he? I mean, once it's approved by the voters, that's it. So the vote right now is for the farms as in the draft specific plan. The draft was what was approved. The final still can have changes. Um, Whether or not those are council approved changes or whether those are staff approved changes, there's a lot of language in there that I had mentioned to him I was concerned with um, as far as what could be done. The other part of that is, as a planned community, it's a bit like, uh, trying to think of a good analogy here, like one of those puzzles where you have, uh, you know, 1 through 15 and then a blank for 16. You shuffle it around however you want as long as it fits in the square. Um, So, you know, right now it says 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, you know, going across. But 
you could shift it around to make it all mixed up as long as it fits in the square and still meets the criteria of, you know, the, the deed restriction, the 50 feet uh, from the property boundaries and the uh, San Diego County Water Authority right of way. But everything else could be kind of shifted. And, and how much shifting could happen it remains to be seen. So, so it's not a true, oh, yes, this is exactly what we get. And that would be my fight as counsel to say, this is now what we get. And this is what the voters voted on knowing this is what we get. I'd, I'd push for that. Well, well, then, you know, we're hearing different messages um, because <laughs> Kevin McNamara says that's the plan. And once it's approved, he can't change it. And see, so, I, I absolutely believe that. But I know the black and white of the legal text allows for these changes. Just like the EIR said, there were two other proposals that could have gone through or been brought up. It, it's it's those little things. And that doesn't mean that they have to be in used. It doesn't mean that there will be change. It just means that is a possibility. And we, and maybe you do, I don't know. We, the community for the most part, and probably council have no visual check to say that option between Schlesinger and McNamara means we don't deal with Schlesinger and McNamara's word is what we're dealing with. We don't, we don't know what, the agreement is other than the party that's vested, which is Kevin in this case. And, you know, that's no fault of his own. And I totally support the business idea of this. And I would love for him to have control versus Schlesinger. But because we don't know how much influence or how much change could happen or how much control or what shifts could happen, we don't know any of the legal ramifications for that transition. We know supposedly it transitions to Kevin after the vote. That's... But yeah. but what does that mean? You know, is that mean Kevin Mayer? Well, I would expect that, it means he buys that, it out, right? That that's so my understanding is is that he has an option to buy it. Yes, if Measure P passes, that, so that if he is, buys it, Schlesinger's out. McNamara's in charge. Yes, right. So uh, that's what I understand it as. But it's an option to buy, right? So do you have to buy that? A million dollars. I know. I know. Of course, if it passes, he's going to buy it. He's not going to suddenly not buy it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then then there becomes the buy, develop, run into the problems, you know, that could happen. I want the things to be the way they're said. And I have concerns over what we can't see. Um, That doesn't mean that they're going to manifest again they're my yeah. boogie if you will um but those are the things that I, I i see as concerns that down the road you know there, it's an option and then schlesinger he's the other party right so this is based on a vote is the vote legally binding to make sure the option's available or is there some other trigger to make it available is this some gentleman's agreement where because the look at measure piece text it doesn't say there's the option in there it just says this will allow for development and blah, blah, blah. And then the options kind of this, hey, by the way, if that passes, I get an option to get buy the property. It's not a part of, as far as I've seen, the legal text to say, you vote and pass this, I get to buy or have the option to buy. So I see that other trigger, whatever that trigger is for the buying, as separate from the vote. And yeah. that's where my concern is because Schlesinger can back out. He's not exactly the... Uh, uh, most <laughs> nice character, I guess, by a lot of people's standards. Uh, so, you know, those are what I see as a problem. And then we've already voted and Schlesinger backed out and now he owns it and it's voted down for Prop FF. And then what happens? You know, now, does that happen? 
I don't want to live in that world. That's our, you know, crazy conspiracy world, right? Um, but as a council member, our entire council should be fighting to ensure that the plan as they approved is what we get. And at the end of the day, that's what I would do. Even if this passes, if I didn't support it, I'd still be saying, that's what you guys approved. This is what we want. You know, I don't care if you didn't offer McNamara the option and backed out. This is all you can approve. (laughs) Well, if it's, I would imagine it's got to be part of the 4,000 pages, right? I have not seen anything on that. But again, it's a lot of pages. And it seems like (laughs) it would have to be because the city wouldn't have to know who that property owner is and who they're dealing with. And if, if Schlesinger and McNamara have an agreement, then that would have to be part of the plan. I mean, cause it's like, like you, to your point, it's, it's one of the most fundamental components of the plan. Well, yeah, who owns it? <laughs> exactly. And, and that's why it's like the draft based on the vote, but then who owns it and the option, it's like layers of ambiguity and options and changes and, well, uh, it, a great it, might picture picture ambiguous. Right. it might <laughs> be in the 4,000 pages. It, it, um, might, it might. I'm sure yeah. he's probably emailing me right now. How dare you talk about this? And here's where it is. And hey, you know, if that's the case, I'll, I will stand here and tell you it's in the plan on this page or make a post about it if I need to. Okay. But at, at the end of the day, that those are my concerns. And every time I have a concern, it's more and more digging is needed. And I'm like, these should be easy questions. I mean, they're yeah. not. Okay. They're, but they, they should be questions that were asked. And, you know, the fact that these aren't already known things, council didn't already address these at the meeting. It's kind of like, well, why? <laughs> you know, this should be, we know what's going to happen, how the transition is going to happen to the legal degree we can as much as possible, because it's already in the black and white. If it's not, we need to know why and why we can't hear about it and how that's still well, going to happen. Then we just need to find out. I mean, yeah. um, I, I would... Now, I'm not going to read 4,000 pages. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you know, it'd be like one of those um, senators in D.C. getting a bill and have to vote on it in 24 hours. And it's yes. 4,000 pages, which actually does happen. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely um, happens. But hopefully there are people that I trust that have read it. Um, and I don't know who those people are. So I'm sure I'm they're going to be chiming in one side or the other. And yeah, like I said, if I'm wrong, please let me know yeah. because – I, I'm, I've been wrong before it happens, but at, at the end of the day, when we hear about people's concerns, when I hear about them, you know, I try to go find the answers. These are my concerns. I haven't tried to find the answers. I've been running a campaign. Measure P is being voted on at the same time I'm being voted on. So my vote, I want to be my vote and you yeah, guys yeah. decide. I'm more concerned with my campaign than I am with trying to, you know, either go for or against measure P that's its own separate thing. Let that campaign do its thing. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on whether or not this is in there. I just have my concerns and that's currently what's structuring my vote. I've had a lot of questions answered because other people have asked them (laughs) and I've passed them on to McNamara, but some of them I'm just like, you know, why weren't these asked? I hold that as a council responsibility. They weren't done. I don't know. They aren't easy to find. And I, rather than go find them, that just kind of influences my vote because yeah. it's not an upfront process. And I can't agree with things like that in most cases. Well, this this is what I love about you, Chris. And 
is that you do the digging and you do the homework and yeah, you've, you've got a campaign to run. You know, you're not going to be, you know, the devil's advocate for measure P at the minutia level. Um, Chris Cruz, I think does a really good job of this too, in, in doing the due diligence and, and holding politicians accountable. We need more of that in our city. And, and I love that about you. Um, and I'm, you know, because <laughs> my my bet is is that if you weren't running this this cycle, you probably would have read many, if not all, of those four thousand pages, right? I mean, I've read a lot of it. Yeah. So there's a little bit left. Okay, let, let's move on. Okay, so we're like at two hours and fifteen minutes. Kevin Kennedy said that that is how BMR was developed. The plan changed over the years. What's BMR? Uh, Black Mountain Ranch. I want to say maybe yeah. Black Mountain Ranch. Uh, maybe he'll chime in. <laughs> that's Penasquitos, right? Yes. I want to say that's – if that's in Poway, BMR, whew, man, I feel bad for not knowing. <laughs> yeah. I was going to CMR. Is, I know what Okay, that I'm is. right. I'm right. Woo. All right, Black Mountain Ranch. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, there it is. Um, so – yeah, I know you're campaigning. You're you're you've got a day job. You've got two children. I mean, you are a busy man, right? So, um, when you're not doing all this stuff, man, what what do you do for fun? I mean, oh, what, I'm a gamer, what? hardcore gamer. Really? I, yes. Oh yeah. So I mean, you you'd say like I have that that you know, when I'm not doing this, well, on top of this, that you've already said, I'm on site council for the school. I'm uh, the parliamentarian for the Grez PTA. Um, I'm on the district site council or district advisory committee for Power Unified. Um, so I mean, baseball is not really going right now, but I was doing that. And wow, so there, there's a lot more other things, but when I'm not you doing sleep? all of that, <laughs> I, I sleep all the time. <laughs> well, not with a small child. You don't much. Uh, no, she's, she's wonderful. She actually sleeps through the night right now. She actually okay. sleeps. I want to say 10 to 12 hours a night. Awesome. Um, we've been absolutely blessed with children that sleep through the night. I mean, our son, when he was born, maybe a day or two later, night, slept through really? the night. A oh, day yeah. or two later. Oh, oh yeah. It God. was it, the, the night of his birth in the hospital. They come in at like six in the morning to check on, you know, him. And they're like, oh, you guys probably didn't get much sleep. It's okay. We'll take care of the baby, you know, because they like, change the baby for you and stuff. And I'm like, what time is it? Oh, no, I've been asleep for like the last like six hours. <laughs> And they're like, wait, what? Like they were like super concerned about the baby and everything. I was like, no, I slept like a baby. The baby's good. We're we're all good. All right. Um, then now she sleeps through the night. Uh, the first two weeks she was uh, not <laughs> sleeping through the night, um, and she goes through these little shifts. You know, we get a, a week of you know flux where she's like her new sleep cycle, or she wants to eat in the middle of the night or whatever it is. But for the most part, we've been lucky. Um, but when I'm not doing that, it's helping my son with school um, as much as possible. It's that's been, you know, changing dynamically over the last, you know, couple of months with pandemic and everything else. Um, but then it's playing games with him. He, he plays, you know, whatever the game of the day is, um, or he wants me to play. And so I, I play a lot of, a lot of games. Most games are uh, almost as involved as all of the other stuff I'm doing. Cause it's like RPG stuff. I don't do I, like sports games for the most part. I like racing games. Don't have very many. Um, don't really do first person shooters because for me, it's a, uh, you know, one kids and two, the other part of that is um, there's, there's not really a fulfillment for that. You know, like I want 
developed characters, major stories, you know, the drama of what I do in my day to day, but through another world kind of fantasy RPG, that kind of thing. That's what I, I do in my time as much as possible, which isn't a whole lot right now. <laughs> right on. Well, geez, yeah, I mean, you're a busy man. I, I knew you did a little bit of that site council work at, for Poway Unified, but I didn't know to the extent that you did it. Um, and then, you know, I've coached Little League and girls softball with wonderful experience. But that's a lot of time, too. You know, yeah. so. You know, you're good for you. You're one of our community dynamos, man. Just make a Poway a great place to be. Um, yeah. Do you do you stream? Do you like like to watch certain shows? So sometimes. Um, so in between, if I can do gaming on my own, um, then I'm doing that. Otherwise, it's watching um, whatever my wife's watching or, you know, the, the quick gaming I could do on my phone if I can. Um, but, yeah, it's it's limited because, you know, if she's on the TV, the TV's taken. We can stream some things that we'll watch together. But then, you know, we have our shows and then our we have our family shows. So it's hard to watch what we want to watch when the kids are awake (laughs) well okay let's i mean we won't have a real exploratory here on children's shows but let's talk about the adult shows like what what are the um the most recent ones that you've watched with your wife that you've really enjoyed i'm just curious oh man just recently um oh i'm trying to think of the name of one because we just started one i mean we like a lot of shows that you know were (laughs) they're not new now (laughs) we're we're definitely playing catch up on a lot of uh tv Um, i do that too like parks and rec everyone's like oh that was so wonderful we're like oh yes it was or is for us (laughs) um but you know we we don't watch too many series shows um the last one we really watched was the good place um, really enjoyed that one. It was, it was, uh, you know, it was good. A little goofy comedy. Um, but when we watch TV, most of the time, it's, uh, you know, investigation discovery. It's learning about all of those kinds of things that go on with, you know, police work, detective work, um, the whole nine yards as far as interesting things you'll find in communities you used to live in or live in now. And, you know, that is, that is always surprising, but you know, it's, it's like somebody else did the work, so I don't have to, <laughs> I just finished watching The Expanse and it's a sci-fi series on Amazon Prime and I think it was originally on the sci-fi channel and then they discontinue it and Amazon Prime picked it up it's really really good it's kind of like a a cold war between the people of Earth and Mars and the people on the asteroid belt. And they have all these factions that are in grudge mode against each other. And then a alien life form enters the picture and changes everything. Um, It's a really, really good show. Um, I just, yeah, I just finished that. Um, I've seen advertisements. I haven't just haven't watched. It's it's good. So let's jump uh, just a few more things, man. Two hours and 22 minutes. Delana (laughs) chimes in. She says they play a lot of Zelda. Yes. Yeah, that happens. um, So I I looked, you were on Facebook and you were kind enough to take the questions that you were asked in the profile from the Poway Chieftain and you shared the entire answer because they had edited it down, which I know irked you a bit. Um, (laughs) But that's kind of the business that they're in, I think. But but at any rate, one of the things that you were concerned about was the gerrymandering of the district boundary lines. And. I'm interested in your opinion. Like, let's just assume that you're elected and you're successful and on the board. What do you think is the right process to draw the lines? And 
And right now, is there any egregious violation of fairness in the way the lines are drawn today? What do you think? So, uh, two big-ish questions, but we can we can definitely cover both. Um, I absolutely believe that here next year, when we start getting census results, that the lines will have to be redrawn. Um, whether that be the trigger based on population, whether that be the trigger based on ethnicity, um, I, I just. I have that feeling that the 2010 numbers aren't really going to cut it in yeah. uh, big changes know, in probably since 2010. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that's the first step. So what, when we acknowledge that that probably is something that's at stake with this election, that's kind of not talked about much. Um, then we have to get to, you know, how the lines are drawn, what, you know, process is used. Um, I kind of like that California's had a redistricting agency and third party uh, outside the bounds of a council or controlling party um, control for redistricting. Um, And I would love to look into that because um, obviously I don't know time limits for redistricting. I don't know how that triggers the census. I don't know nothing about that. I haven't looked yet because if I'm not on council, I'm (laughs) going to save myself a little research here for maybe a couple months. Uh, But, you know, that'd be the first step is diving into that and starting to learn how long we have, um, you know, what, can be done, what can't be done. Um, and I know our current city attorney was a part of the redistricting process. They were the firm that helped Poway redistrict. Um, so there should be a wealth of knowledge already at City Hall about what can be done or can't be done there. Um, but that, that'd be kind of the first step is figuring that out. Um, then it's really what the numbers show. You know, I have my suspicions about what they'll show, but I could be way wrong, you know. Um, and with that, it's then how the lines get moved around or changed, or if we're just starting from scratch or what the case is. Um, I would like to see outside the box ideas for um, redistricting. You know, uh, right now, if you were to ask any random person in Poway, not the people that have commented, they probably know, <laughs> but any just random, not super politically involved person and said, hey, what district are you in? I would argue maybe 50% of the time they would know. That probably is too high, but I'll I'll give it 50%. (laughs) And and so do they know we have districts, one, and then do they know which one they're in? You know, I'm going to go with it's not a very high number. And so what we end up seeing, same way with the school board uh, in 2018, was this, what? why can't I vote for this person? I'm going to write in this person (laughs) causes – ballots to be very interesting, you know, where people are writing in somebody for the, if they just look down, they were in that race, but not this race and very, you know, confused situation there that wasn't helped with an at large council seat and two district seats in the last election. It was odd. So when, when we look at it from that perspective, you know, the first thing is educating people to understand what that is. The second thing is seeing what we can do. Um, I don't have all the answers right now, but I can tell you, a, you know, magic wand world. Um, if I could, what I would do is I would essentially divide Poway into not north, south, <laughs> east, west, kind of, um, because that keeps a north and a south on both sides, essentially. Um, but I would say we do something similar to that, and we have representatives that are available in each district every single election. So it's one person from one district each election, and you're electing the left side or the right side or something similar to that each election. Now, you know, obviously I can make that argument north-south and then ha-ha, you know, but – 
to, to keep that fairness, if you will, um, I think an East-West almost serves a similar purpose and allows for those voices to be heard. But where that line fits on the district map and how the districts are drawn gets dicey. And then if it's even possible. But what this allows for is people would have the ability to vote every single election for at least one representative and mayor uh, every four years, right? Right now, people are like, I can't believe I don't get a vote. Like at all, I have no choice in my representative for another two years. Um, so this kind of offsets that. It's it's a uh, like I said, way outside the box. But you know that would be kind of that best of both worlds, if you will, where, hey, we're small enough, we shouldn't need districts, as some people argue, or hey, we absolutely need districts because South Powell is underrepresented. This is that almost happy medium. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'd love to slant everything to South Poway, but my parents live in North Poway. Like it's, I have, you know, I like the South Poway area and I know that there's that loss of a voice. There's that lack of representation that's been um, consistently and historically there. Um, but that doesn't mean I want to go flip that and say, ha ha, we get all the representatives. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, we need good representation. Yeah, right? <laughs> we need good representation across the board. And that's how we can get a community that is vested and involved and cares yeah. and really is looking for the, our future as opposed to, you know, I mean, some of our council live like <laughs> surprisingly close, but those magical lines stop them yeah. from being against each other. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I would like to really kind of do away with that as much as possible. And I think that, you know, that middle split for an East West would kind of do that because you'd at least have to be East and West. I mean, unless they live on opposite sides of whatever street it is. Um, but you know, then it's North Poway can't say they have the advantage. South Poway still has a voice. And generally speaking, the larger percentage of the population is in South Poway where the development is. Yeah, where right. So, so, so that proposal, day, if I understand it correctly, is you would draw one line, one line down the center of Poway, make it an east-west split, and, and have two at-larges in each one of those, right? Well, yes. I mean, you'd be District 1 or District 2, but you'd be that representative, and the, the and be two would split. Exactly. So it'd yeah, be a two-year yeah. thing. So you're District 1, you're two or odd years or district two even years whatever it is you know what i mean so that way it's the split i mean they're always odd year or even years but (laughs) you get what i'm saying the the presidential year or the other year yeah well you know i i um i love the fact we have districts i i think it's great i Uh, i agree (laughs) you know because i mean not only is it great for south poway because i ever since i've lived in poway i moved here in 1996 i've been hearing this over and over again that south poway doesn't have representation and now you know district four is south poway so that's great um i also love the idea of being more closely connected with your representative um you know, I think that's a good thing. And and really selfishly, from the perspective of a candidate, it's actually good for them, too, because yes. they have less. To cover. <laughs> yeah. But um, what's interesting to me is, is that the you know, that lawsuit that came forward that was making the cities yes. and, the, and everyone do the districting that was typically driven really along, you know, ethnic or or racial um, objectives to to make sure that underserved um, ethnicities or races were supposed to be getting better representation. 
Um, but that didn't play out th- that way in Poway. It seemed like it was almost a purely geographical decision. And yes. then um, I remember talking to Pete Neal about this and he went through the numbers and he said it was pretty good how they the, they got the demographics pretty reasonably balanced between the four districts. Um, you know, I guess in terms of um, age and ethnicity, maybe not in terms of income, but I, I like it. I, I think it's a great thing for the city, but I agree. Most people would never know. I mean, Kevin Kennedy says most don't even know who their county representative is. And yeah, yeah I mean, people don't know. People yeah. have lives, you know, they're absolutely. And, and I think the, the big thing here is, you know, this is a once every 10 years thing that redistricting or, you know, the yeah. census as it were. And so, yes, this will be a big deal because we just went into districts. And I, I think it'll be one of those points of reflection where, a lot of people, uh, mostly South Poway, were saying, hey, this line is garbage because you're kind of screwing us and underrepresenting us further. And then you're pushing it off to 2020 and all of these things. If that's how this shows up in the census, it's kind of like that vindication, that justification of, hey, yeah. we knew what we were talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, not that it has to be that way, but when I look at it, it comes down to how can we redraw these lines? You know, I don't see a way of fairly drawing lines along roads. Like for example, Poway road, right? You know, I hear all the time people are like, Oh, you know, you basically represent my business, but not my house or yeah. you represent my house, but not my business. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and it's because they're just on the other side of Poway road or whatever the case is there. And it's, it's that problem that I see as um, kind of dividing communities, you know, when they were talking about it, they almost would divided North and South garden road. And that's one of those like, Whoa, we have yeah. the same road in and out. You probably yeah. don't want to divide our community. And they still have where you live would be district two or, previously lived in uh, Sycamore Canyon. That's District 2, but you have to go Garden Road into it. So it's... That's District 2? That is District 2, yes. My old neighborhood? Really? Yes. yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. So so when you look at it that way, it, it is so not intuitive in some ways. Yeah, but you're right. That it's hard to say. Two. Yeah, it's hard to say, oh, this is a better way because of those limitations of population, of, you know, demographics. Those are legal, you know, restrictions that these districts must meet. And when you look at it from that perspective, it's like, well, how can we make this fair? And, you know, I, I don't want to say they did a terrible job. They, they did an okay job. They, you know, didn't violate anything, but they definitely took the advantage. And, you know, those little lines that scoop out the one council. So they're, de- yeah. you know, in a different district are kind of like, really guys, like just so you cannot run against each other. That's come on. That's ridiculous. Um, so, you know, that's, Oh, my list turned off. <laughs> um, Poway unified was a lot more egregious in the gerrymandering. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's hard, hard to draw the lines. And then you always get into the situation that the, the elected officials are choosing the voters. So hopefully there's a really objective third party that can make really good recommendations. Yeah. Um, and that, that's what I'd look for. And, you know, like I yeah. said, I have that way outside the box. That might be another interesting way. I like that idea. You know, it, um, it, it's, <laughs> it still gets that involvement. And it really, I think, an east west really shifts that dynamic from a north south divide to, a, you know, maybe now it's an east west divide. I don't know. But at the same time, it kind of says, hey, 
these issues affect us all and we all need to come together as a community. Um, and you know, ideally that is, um, that is possible, but you know, it might not be, I, I like next door, which we mentioned before, how they kind of have communities and I would really like to make sure communities of interest are kept together. Um, and I think next door has kind of already taken a really big swing at that, um, where our district and kind of failed at that. Um, so, you know, that's what I would try to start a map around. Um, but at the time it was, you know, really rushed process because of the lawsuit, not because of our city. Um, right. and so, you know, there, there were limitations. And so I'd like to see a really well done, thought out involved process huge community input maybe a full third party like taking over um to make sure that you know there isn't the the hey this street here so that i'm not competing against them and i can still be on council like that's to me those are those are silly games to keep control and that's the only way to really look at them you know and when that's being done, it's hard to say that this is done in the interest of fairness. You know, when yeah. you literally draw, whoop, 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 and there, there are a few of them, it's that that is no longer in the interest of fairness. That is self-serving to the extreme. And, you know, you run a good campaign or you don't, you know, run a campaign and let another person speak for the other community. That's what you need to do at the end of the day. And, you know, mm-hmm. if that means I'm in a different community at the districting, whatever it is, you know, it is what it is. You know who's um, done a North... Uh, uh, an east-west alignment, roughly already in Poway, is uh, Little League, um, Poway National, and Poway American. Um, so Poway National is roughly the western side of town, and Poway American is roughly the eastern side of town. Of course, there are a lot of exceptions, but even <laughs> that map is gerrymandered because um, because they had to split the two little leagues um, in order to meet like the. The population per league requirements. Yes. And back in, I, I heard the stories is back in the day, you know, they wanted to protect certain players. So they made sure that they were either in the American or the National League. So there's always oh, there's gerrymandering, even literally. Yeah. Um, okay. I got a, I got a couple more questions. Are you still good? I, I mean, I know people are going to be like, this is way too long. <laughs> it is. But, so, you know, you know it, I'm hoping people are live streaming and seeing it and asking their questions. And I'm fine with it. It's just, there are issues. And when you're limited to a one minute answer, I feel that that is as, (laughs) as bad as it gets, even though I've done it, I I stand by my answers. It's just, there's so much more to talk about. And if you really want to know, I'm here for it. Reach out. Hopefully you're asking here. And this podcast is the opposite of the forums. Yes. (laughs) Um, Kevin Kennedy says, I certainly don't agree with everything Chris says, but I do appreciate the awareness he has raised in our community. Thank you, Chris. So that's a nice comment. And Kevin goes on to say, does Chris Olps have any interest in politics beyond city council? Um, I'm pretty sure my wife would kill me if I ran for anything other than power politics. Actually, yeah. if I run again, she might do that anyway. So, <laughs> no, um, no, I have no interest in any of that nonsense. I mean, yeah. you say outside of power, that doesn't mean like, you know, if I'm on council and they do this shuffleboard with the mayor here, if he wins, uh, that I won't throw my hat in that ring. But within the city, I'm staying power, yeah. power local. You are hardcore Poway, and that's another thing I love about you. Um, What you know, it was interesting is on you know your long descript your long answers to the Pomerado News 
survey that they asked of the candidates. You talked a lot about infrastructure in Poway and having Internet available, similar to what Chattanooga, Tennessee has done. Yes. Now, meanwhile, there's this other proposal that's come forward that Voss is pushing to I guess they passed it, I think, yeah. to provide 200 homes, uh, low income homes with high speed Internet. So. Walk me through this whole idea of broadband internet and Poway and what your thoughts are. I mean, we so, can even talk about Cox and, <laughs> and no competition. And there's, it's a lot in there. Yeah. So um, first with Voss's proposal. Um, so the school board acknowledged and has had a open thing since April about anybody that needs internet because we went to distance learning. Um, I believe they've had around 500 respondents. They've replied to the state and, uh, you know, acknowledged all of this. Um, when the council thing came forward, I was concerned because they had announced and acknowledged it, the school district that is. Um, so I was concerned we were giving money to a problem that had already been solved. Um, Voss said he's talked to them. I take it at face value. That is fine. Um, you know, especially when we're talking, like they said, these are Poway residents that are being addressed, um, which might allow the um, district to reorganize their money to those outside of Poway and, you know, more efficiently spend for both sides. Um, the other side of that is the money that's coming in is pandemic related. So there are probably a lot of restrictions on how it's spent. So, you know, I have no problem with it. I just wanted to make sure we weren't giving our pandemic money to the district as a little gift. Here you go. You know, right. uh, we're not talking a huge sum of money. It was like 40,000 something dollars. So when you're talking city and district, uh, power unified, those are, <laughs> that's pennies to them. So right. it, it is, you know, it wasn't a lot and it was pandemic relief funds. So I, I definitely appreciate the, the concern and, you know, identifying it and making, you know, a, a problem beef salt. Um, so that that's, it was kind of that smaller scope, but mine is we have, and you kind of hinted at this, essentially a monopoly here in Poway. And yeah. that is a problem. Now you, you could get, what is it? HughesNet Gen 5 or Gen 17 or whatever they're on now. Um, you could try for that. Um, I know some people on that and that does not work for a distance learning environment um, because of the buffering and the speeds and everything else. Um, and if you live in the more remote areas, district two, <laughs> um, this really is the impact because Cox doesn't have the citywide infrastructure out to those areas. Now, if you're more central, your garden road, yeah, I've got Cox. It's still not the best. It's actually well, Phil Factor doesn't get Cox where he lives. No, no, exactly. Yep. And so at the end of the day, we have a, a serious lack of um, high speed Internet, which, you know, more and more often is becoming one of those like electricity, water, high speed Internet right there. It's it's almost at that point. Um, and here's the real kicker. We have a pandemic that restricts access to places that had available Internet. So you used to be able to say, I'll just go to the library and use the Internet. I'll just go to these public facilities or whatever. Now you have restrictions on what could be done even there, amplifying the problem to a whole other level. Um, and then obviously the load, you know, we're talking about people working from home, the kids, uh, the amount of need has dramatically increased. You took away locations that were previously available and you basically have this recipe for a problem, a big problem. Um, and when you look at it, the other side of that problem is all of this is on one provider. So even if we got the, you know, let's say we all had a better plan, it's still on that one backbone from Cox. And if that goes down, we're all affected, you know, yes. at the end of the day. Um, and you can see that if you look at Facebook, Nextdoor, you know, almost 
daily these days. There's a post about, oh, is this going down here? Hey, do you have internet there? And it's yeah. just an ongoing problem. So what we need, and it's sad to see from council, is we need other players at the table. At the, at the base level, we need to bring other players to the table. We've essentially refused AT&T and said, hey, sorry, we're, we got Cox, we're good. And, you know, Cox invests a lot in the community, but we need investment in our actual services that they provide, as well as investment in, you know, the second fireworks show that was great. I liked it. But, you know, we, we you're, you're not a fireworks provider. You're an Internet service provider. Let's, yeah. let's stick to what you're good at and actually get that good um, rather than, a, you know, hour-long show, which is then over, and we're waiting another year for a second one, right? So, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of my concern. They have a, a service they are not really providing, and we have no ability to hold them accountable because we have allowed them this monopoly, and we have joint-use agreements with them, and AT&T has no ability to come in. We can't have Google. We can't have you – know, we don't have any of these players, and we aren't really – as far as I know, looking. Well, let's let's me make really clear about this because I've heard different opinions on this. Sure. Does the city council make decisions on which broadband providers come into Poway? So they the provider is the one that has to have the interest, kind of like a developer, you know, trying yeah. to come in. We can't go, you will build a Sonic. Sonic says, no, yeah. we're not building a Sonic, right? right. But yeah. at the end of the day, they've come to the table and council has said no. That's that's what's happened. AT&T that's has said, hey, yes, AT&T has come to the table and council has said, you don't, you're not giving us something, so we're not giving you something, essentially. We are not mm-hmm. allowing you to come in. Now, providers for internet typically have areas carved out for uh, competitive. <laughs> uh, yeah, a good gentleman's agreement, for lack of yes. a better term. Um, the territory. Yes, and, and the reason for a lot of that is it's very expensive for them to put their infrastructure yeah, in. exactly. Um, so even if AT&T comes in, most likely they're piggybacking off Cox's and paying them a royalty or something like that to get started. Um, but that doesn't mean they can't just go and lay their own new fiber connection or whatever the case may be. Um, so with that in mind, I definitely see the upfront cost and the hesitancy of providers, but when you're refusing or actively driving away providers because yeah. you have this exclusive agreement with Cox, it, it kind of amplifies that. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would want to see more providers you know, actively pursued to say, what can we do? How can we address this? But more than that, I think the city kind of needs to hold their feet to the fire and say, you know what? We need the bigger pipe. Whatever we got right now isn't cutting it. You need to start investing and, um, you know, to take steps to really fight that. The city should look at what can we do? Where are those boundaries? Because I know Spectrum is kind of on one of the borders of Poway. Like some people can get that. Um, I think AT&T is like right there too. Um, And if we can't get it from Cox, if they won't do it, the city should step in and say, all right, we need to invest in and have our own municipal one supported by AT&T, supported by Spectrum, supported by whomever, where we start putting that infrastructure in when we're doing our seven-year road maintenance every you know seven years. We start putting in the pathways for it, and then it's our internet service that now you're they're buying the big pipe coming in and then they're distributing it similar to how we distributed water and we have a municipal, you know, 
service. Then we can have things like municipal Wi-Fi, which hopefully has hotspots located places kids can go, like community park or you know wherever. Um, but we really need to think outside the box. And obviously, this is not a cheap solution, right? Nothing's cheap in these perspectives. But when we are looking at it, there are ways to really offset those costs. Um, and I think one of the things that we've missed is that that boat of hey internet providers really want to do fiber and we want to say you are the city like what was it uh topeka kansas i want to say they changed their name to like google kansas for a while because (laughs) google put fiber everywhere and it was great right so why are we not like diving on those opportunities throwing our name in there um and there's a ton of different providers out there and i get that it's expensive but we need to have that as a priority and really start addressing it from the uh, competition perspective. And then from the, Hey Cox, (laughs) just step up your game and maybe we won't have to do this, you know? Um, And and it's, it's sad because it's one of those things, you know, we're talking about development on Poway road and how run down things are. That's the same exact problem with our internet. We're running on old infrastructure internet and trying to make it do new infrastructure things that fiber can do. Um, and, you know, we want to invest in our development. Well, hey, developer coming in, we want you to have everything all the way up to your um, point of demarcation for fiber ready to go so that all they have to do is go to Poway Road, wherever the transfer station is, and plug it in. you got fiber for your entire development. Why is that not something that's being talked about? You know, that's how we get to that next level. And we offset the costs for Cox or whomever. We say, developers coming in, you need to put your plumbing in, you need to put this in, you need to wire for internet that's going to be, you know, fiber related. Do you need to put parks in? (laughs) You need to put all these things in there. And at the end of the day, we're instead allowing them a traffic signal for four stories, right? When you talk about amenities, if you told me you're wired for high-speed internet, you know, fiber internet throughout the entire facility, I look at that as this is a possible amenity, not necessarily one I'm going to give you four stories for, but this is something good because you are spending a significant amount of money on it. All right, now we can start having conversations. You're going to have, you know, wire, uh, the, what is it, the electric car charging stations, uh, you know, a certain number of those set aside. Now we can start talking about what you're doing and how you're providing. Maybe they're going to be free for residents or whatever. You know, now we can start talking about actual amenities in, instead of these arbitrary, you know, things. Do you think that there is a possibility that 5G or some future wireless technology would give us broadband capability and we wouldn't have to, you know, dig trenches and lay, you know, lay lines in the ground. Well, so that's the nice thing. Like I was saying, if we went to municipal, the 5G way of forward would be the cheaper way. You wouldn't have to do the trenches. You would start putting it on all the light posts and then you're just putting up more light posts or figuring out how to, you know, address the frequency of them because they are pretty close together um, as far as, you know, distance there. I do see that as a possible future fix, but those, for the most part, those networks are our cellular providers. Um, and until they decide to shift and also, I mean, some do already, like Verizon and whatnot. Um, actually, most of them have telecom and internet providers, but until they really make that shift, it's still that cellular bandwidth and, you know, 
there's a lot of things that can cause that to go down and could have problems. Um, so it's kind of how do we mitigate or deal with those or, you know, what's the backup? Um, because if you're only 5G going out to, you know, Iron Mountain and then 5G goes down, well, now you're back on nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? right. So, so it does need kind of a backup, even if that's slower. Um, so it really is that investment that's needed. But the, the short term, you know, if they're going to go in and they're like, we're going cheapest, fastest, quickest solution, boom, 5G, let's go, done. All right. You know, that starts the process. That really gets the ball rolling and shows mm-hmm. that somebody's vested and they can get an almost immediate return. You know, Verizon doing that, uh, AT&T is doing that, uh, T-Mobile is doing that. You know, that's that's the immediate return on investment for them. And we get the benefit of, hey, we actually have some options for high-speed internet um, because right now we just don't. Yeah, I mean, we need – I mean, I'm all about more competition and more choice. Um, And it's a shame if the city has been declining other high-speed options. I remember Dave Grush commented about this on Facebook, and he claimed that the city didn't make the decision, that it was entirely up to the providers to decide if they were going to come into Poway. So – well, I, I believe that, you know, it's <laughs> the truth is somewhere probably in the middle. I'm leaning more towards council's cause because at the end of the day, there are the we want this, this, this. And then they say no. And what happens? All right. So, yeah, yeah the divide, the, the, the provider said no. But what did we put on the table? Like, what were we asking of them at the end of the day? Is it reasonable what we were asking? Um, or was it kind of one of those like, hey, Cox has given us, you know, a couple million dollars on the back end for projects around the city. That's awesome. I don't know that that's true. I'm just making (laughs) comments here. Um, Is that, is that the same thing that we're getting from you AT&T? And then they say, no, well, sorry, we don't want you. (laughs) Like, you know, that, that's kind of the way I look at it. Are we holding them to the same standard? And I think it's, we have the joint use agreement in place. It's nice. It's comfortable. It's already there. And so somebody coming in, we want better. We want more. And if they won't do that, we don't even want to entertain them. And so we make the bar so high that they don't even want to come in. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a shame. I think we need to have choice. But, yeah, obviously it's a huge investment. I, I want to tell just kind of a funny story is, um, you know, you're talking about like we always see those announcements on Facebook or, you know, hey, my Internet's out or what's going on in your part of town? Well, one time my Internet went out. And I, you know, I got on my phone and, you know, wirelessly and was like, hey, does anybody know what's going on? And no response. I couldn't figure it out. And then um, I went out and my landscaper was here and he was digging holes to move like a small palm tree to another location. And he, (laughs) he shoveled right through the main line that comes into our house. Wow. Like, oh, crap. So then we had to have Cox come out and they were they were cool. They replaced it for free. That's awesome. Yeah. Then a month later, it happened exactly the same thing again. <laughs> I couldn't like, believe it. Offers, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I couldn't. Like, you used a shovel again, and it went right through the line. Well, this time we had to pay, you yeah. know, but but I was able to use my homeowner's insurance. <laughs> God, what a mess that turned out to be. But, um, yeah. So, anyways, we're, like, at three hours. I think I think we've kind of exhausted this. I don't, I don't think that there's, there's some people that I think have been with us just about the whole time. I looked at the <laughs> number of viewers, yeah. but people will watch it. They'll listen to this. They're going to consume this in chunks, you yeah. know, 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there. 
just to wrap it up, I mean, Chris, what have we left off the table? What what else do we need to know about you and your campaign? Uh, what do you want to have some final final closing thoughts? Uh, so, I mean, you can definitely find out more about my campaign. Uh, OLPS4, the number four. So O-L-P-S, the number four, Poway.com. Um, you can email me. Uh, info at Ops for Poway. You can call me 619-396-1605. got to remember these numbers. Um, and, and, you know, definitely if I've missed something that you'd have, or if I talked about something and you still have more to talk about, feel free to reach out, text, call, email, uh, Facebook. I'm all over there. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, like I, I've said it a few times, there's these boogeymen of, problems you know there are real problems but they get amplified and turned into this you know almost conspiracy level for certain things um and you know i can go over a quick one that we didn't talk about but um you know climate action real quick talked about that and at the last meeting um the last forum it was oh we'll just get sued out of existence right something similar to that i mean maybe i put a boogeyman on top of a boogeyman whatever we'll get sued right well here's the interesting thing that i think the comment was san diego is being sued and so they they've done it and it's bad because they got sued over 10 ish close to 10 years they've been sued six times cost of roughly a million dollars total um, and the reason they're being sued is because they are trying to create a program where you can buy out of your obligation to reduce greenhouse gases with carbon offsets. So they're not actually reducing anything. So, yeah, if we make a program that doesn't actually reduce the problem, yeah, we'll probably be sued by climate action groups. Makes sense. That's kind of like cap and trade, isn't it? Yes. It's almost exactly like that program. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, if we make a bad plan, yeah, we'll get sued because we're not actually reducing and we're trying to claim the credits for reducing. So there's the money available to start the process and do the solve the problem, get all of these grants and things that actually allow us, you know, electric charging stations, uh, more solar, you know, all of these different things that we won't even be able to access without a plan. And the concern is that our plan is bad, so we'd get sued. Well, I mean, make a good plan that says we're actually going to do the right thing that starts with the research, that starts with the studies, that starts yeah. with the communities that have already done it. And so when you look at it, that the, the Oh, it's going to have this outrageous cost of lawsuits. There are over 26 lawsuits. It's public. You can look it up in the city. At least 26 currently against the city. Several well over a million dollars. So I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb here and say that's a boogeyman. And uh, we can actually get money as opposed to having a lawsuit. We should probably look at it a little bit stronger than uh, be worried about a potential lawsuit when we already have so many. So yeah, it just seems it's such an easy thing. That, well, it's you want to have a good plan for climate yes. change, but it's just such an easy thing to do. I mean, because they've already got things going on. They've already got the city has solar. <laughs> the city has LED lighting. You know, yes. you, you put in some charging stations or something and then go around it and you got a plan. Yeah, we have, exactly. We have verifiable things that reduce greenhouse gases. What we need is a baseline. We need how much we're reducing, and we need a plan of how we can reduce further. And there we go. Done. Like, yeah. This is right there in front of your face. <laughs> and and then, you know, it, it it's, you know, politically correct for a lot of people as well. You know, they'll, like, nod their heads and say, yeah, good, doing the right thing. So, yeah, um, yeah it's interesting. So, um, But, yeah, like I said, there's tons of things we could talk about and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I just want everybody to understand there is a perception, there is the black and white text, and then there is 
an opinion, right? There's a lot that kind of goes with what you can do. You have the perception, which is based on all of that and what we think could happen. There's opinion where somebody's trying to sell you on it. And then there's the, the fact of what is actually written down at the end of the day. Like, of course, we talked about the EARs. We talked about the agenda items. Those, you know, it's, it's laid out and it's very clear. Um, so when you're looking at things, you have to kind of take that into perspective. Are they selling you something? Um, then they might have a vested interest in it. You might need to look at that and look further. And so at the end of the day, you know, yes, I'm selling myself as a candidate. So are everybody else. Um, but you have the black and white to look at. You have the perspectives. You have the positions we've taken. And you have, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what you want for Poway um, to make your choice. Right on. I mean, like, like I said, Chris, I, I, I love what you do. You, you're, you're very detailed oriented. You get into the details of the policy. You do your research. You're very good at communicating with people, sharing, you know, what your discoveries. You're really good. I've noticed um, for a long time sharing things about what's going on with Poway, like the disaster, you know, um, you know, the disaster. What was it? It was a, a workshop, right? The disaster protection Yes. That was like a drive through thing, right? Yes, um, too, but <laughs> yeah. And so you, you share information about that for everyone else. I mean, you're just a really good source of good info. Um, and I love that about you. So, man, good luck in this campaign. It, it's your your race is interesting. I mean, it's a three way. Um, you and Kaylin, I think everyone saw that coming. Frank jumps in at the last moment um, where everyone's kind of learning about Frank. Um but then you and Kaylin both have young children. And like I said, I think that's a great thing about your candidacy. So I'm really interested, you know, your race and, and Steve Voss's race for county supervisor. I'm really curious to see how that's going to go. Um, I think dynamic changes the Poway depending on how they go, I think. I agree. Um, we've already said there's a radical transformation happening on Poway Road right now. Um, and there's more decisions that are in the on deck circle. Um, so those are coming, man. And yeah, right on, you know, you've been fighting the good fight for South Poway for a very long time. So (laughs) right on. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, anyways, thanks everyone for joining us. Kevin Kennedy had another question about how does the city recover? We just got too long. We're like at three hours. So, um, a message. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Chris, thank you very much. Good luck to you in your campaign. Um, yep. And this is episode number 175 of the John Riley project. Thank you very awesome. much friends. Bye-bye. Thank you.